Hi, this is Ruth. And Darren. From the Rad Adventures Podcast Network. And we love listening to the Longbox Crusade. You're listening to the Longbox Crusade Podcast, episode 14, featuring Checkmate number 15, cover dated May 1989. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Longbox Crusade, a podcast where each episode a random date and year is chosen and then an issue is selected from the over 20 plus longboxes that have been collected over the last 40 years and stashed away in my basement. Then each host will bring an issue from their longbox from that random date and year to find out what's in their longboxes. Each episode we will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issues, ads, and events of that time period. I'm Pat Sampson, and with me is Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. That is a prescription for danger. Jason Albrick, his brother. Hello. Delvin Williams, the master of the dark web. <laughs> I'm not used to that yet. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have special guest and my mentor, Aaron Moss. Or Aaron I'm Headhouse. special. <laughs> I'm special. <laughs> That's what my mom used to say. Let me say, Aaron, you're very special. I didn't watch what she meant. (laughs) I didn't know he was half man and half bull. You said he was your minotaur? Uh, Is that right? Okay. (laughs) I am. (laughs) I thought he was his avatar. I mean, he just had an invisible friend on the. (laughs) I'm like Professor Stein. He's he's floating above his head talking to him. (laughs) (laughs) When I started thinking about doing podcasts, I found the G.I. Joe podcast. And, and so I'm like, hey, this is cool. I like G.I. Joe, and I wanted to get into doing something like that. So I reached out to Aaron, and uh, a couple other people responded back. But uh, Aaron was the first guy to respond back to me. <laughs> and he, he said, please stop texting me. <laughs> here's, a, here's a court order. You should please stay 50 feet away from me. And <laughs> <laughs> no, he was very uh, nice and uh, responded back. And uh, provided me information on how to get started and everything like that. So I, I do appreciate, uh, Aaron, it's, uh, what you've done. It's, it's been a year for me now wow. that I've been doing this. Well, I figure, you know, if, I, if I've got this addiction, I might as well pass on to other people. Let other people <laughs> suffer this addiction I've got. <laughs> yeah. Misery loves company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, thanks for having me on. And I say it was a pleasure talking with you back then. And I've enjoyed I guess I can say every experience since then. <laughs> I've enjoyed talking to you over the last year and getting to know you, Pat. Thanks. Yeah, it's been great. It's a great podcasting community that oh, yeah. we have. And as you can see, that I've, I've roped Jared into mm-hmm. it. Well, Jason, then he brought his brother, and now he's bringing Delvin. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, just, it's like a disease slowly yeah, spreading it's, out. It's, 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 <laughs> it's like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a better analogy. <laughs> Mm. It, like it's that. working just mm. it's working just like a pyramid scheme. I haven't seen a check yet. Is that coming? <laughs> well, Jared's gotta, gotta get six more people and then oh, oh. the Amway of podcasts. Oh. I didn't tell you guys that we'll we all have to start moving to Springfield. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> here, put on this bandana over here. <laughs> Sounds legit. All the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, thank you, Aaron. Uh, 
for getting me into this. It has been nothing but a fun experience so far, and I've met a lot of really great people in the podcasting community, along with you know with these guys that I mentioned that are on this show already, and uh, and the, these guys, the group of people, <laughs> that's and a, and that's some guys. great guys, and, and these three. <laughs> Like that that's a call out to the community. Mm-hmm. I need new friends. Like the ones I have right now are, are not Help example me. really. <laughs> by by any measure. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of great guys, great guys I podcast with. And then there's Jared. Yay. <laughs> hey, without me, the G.I. Joe headcast gets no military authenticity. <laughs> this is true. That's one thing I appreciate about you, Jared. You bring the, the G.I. Joe, the military authenticity to the show. <laughs> Something we sorely lack. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of Jared, why don't we find out what's in everybody's current crusade this go around? So let's start with Jared. What's your current crusade you're on? Uh, well, I, it's, I'm going to plug something while I talk about the crusade. That's the one two punch. Of course. Um, yeah. For as, change, I know, right? But as you <laughs> as you guys know, on the inner circle, you know that a couple of weeks ago, my first published book cover came out for a book called Blackthorn: Spires of Mars by Ian uh, Watson, available on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I I drew that. It was a fast turnaround because Ian works for White Rocket. He he writes for White Rocket, you know, which Van owns. So Van asked me, he said, "Hey." I need a cover for this in a relatively short order. And I said, okay. So I did a quick turn on the cover, having never read the book. So the book has come out and it's published and I got these copies that, you know, I'm selling at my shows and whatnot and I've never read it. So my current crusade is I'm reading the book. I've, I've read about the first 50 pages and I'm really enjoying it. It's a good book. All right. Well, Jason, what are you on? What kind of current, what's your current? Doesn't matter, Jason. He's going to hang up. So (laughs) whatever. (laughs) I'll, I'll risk it. Um, No, I'm really excited about my next crusade because uh, uh, I'm going down to Rose City Comic Con, and and this is the first time in a while that I'll have both my sons with me. So Grant and Drake are both going with me down to Portland, and we're going to go to Rose City Comic Con. So I'm just really looking forward to spending some time with my sons, and the oldest one I hardly get to see anymore, going and meeting some great creators like David Finch and Neil Adams and so forth and so on. Yeah, just spending some some, some quality time with my boys. That sounds nice. How about you, Delvin? What's your current crusade this episode? Uh, my current crusade would be uh, moving. Uh, I, I don't really recommend anyone uh, does moving. Just stay where you are for the rest of your life. Uh, it is infinitely cheaper, and you don't have to make new friends again. Moving, don't do it. Okay, no, seriously, uh, I'm moving because uh, I have a new job uh, coming up uh, at the end of the month. I'm actually pretty excited about the new job, the new city, which is going to be Charlotte. Uh, all the opportunities that come with that. I'm moving from Victoria, Texas, which is a small town. I'm looking forward to actual restaurants again and having real food because they don't have real food in Victoria, Texas. Like real food is Chili's there, and Chili's yeah. is not real food. It's, oh. it's not. <laughs> don't don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It's, it's not real food, and and that's me. That's my crusade. Don't eat at Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a long walk for an anti-Chili's oh, <laughs> yeah, That's right, well <laughs> Sponsored by Chili's <laughs> It didn't start out that way But you know, uh, it, was, it was organic It was an organic crusade And, and, and I don't want to eat the Chili's anymore for a while He's being paid by Applebee's 
that's my hidden agenda. Like, it's a podcast. You don't see me with the Applebee's shirt on, but you know there it is. <laughs> Aaron, how about you? What's your current crusade? Uh, Chili's. Oh, uh, <laughs> currently, I guess I got two. <laughs> I've got two currently, I guess. Try to get my uh, my headcast network shows back on target and back on track. Do the family and outside situations. I've gotten delayed on them. <clears throat> I'm working on getting things organized, getting everything restarted. And then I'm also reading the Dexter novels uh, so I can get to the Dexter TV series. A buddy at work keeps telling me, oh, Aaron, you need to, you need to check out Dexter. I, I will at some point. Just It's not one of the shows I can watch with the kids in the room, and it's hard to uh, get some free time on my nine-year-old daughter right in and out. So. <laughs> I'm like, let me read the novels first, then I'll read, then I'll watch the TV series. <laughs> but that would be my crusade right now is trying to get through the Dexter novel, which I'm almost done. I've never watched that series, so I didn't know it was. I didn't know they were novels. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, there was started out as novels. Uh, there, huh. were seven bu- there were seven books. Uh, I talked to my buddy because I read the first five so far, and the first book is pretty much dead onto the TV series. And then from there, they diverge completely. Because I just kind of described what happened in the next couple books. He's like, wow, yeah, no, that totally is different than what the movies or the TV show did. But yeah, I'm enjoying the book, so I'm sure the core of my buddy, the movies are movies. The book, uh, the TV show is just as good. I can't wait to get to there. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Hmm. I got so many shows yeah, to watch, brought- too. I know the feeling. <laughs> I'll pay you. Like, yeah, you need to watch this. You need to watch Breaking Bad. This. I mean, I'll, I'll put it on my list of things to watch. I'm still trying to finish the Daredevil season two show on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watch that with my oldest, with my middle, my middle son, and it's hard to find times when we're both around. And again, my nine year old daughter's not in the room because yeah, Daredevil's not a show for a nine year old girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think for my crusade, it's I think it's kind of on the same line of as. Aaron's is. Um, I kind of made a little, I went through my Netflix and my Hulu account of what I had saving. And so I made a little spreadsheet of how many episodes and then maybe I'm, I'm getting a little geeky here, but, and then how many I watch and I got it sorted. So I'm kind of trying to plow through some of those. The Netflix those TV, crusade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's Netflix, Hulu, the, the watching crusade, you know, the, I guess. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff out there to watch. It's like, man. Is that true? Is that your yeah. podcast? <laughs> what, my next? No, you know, uh, I got so many ideas. We are good at ideas. <laughs> yeah, it's just executing on those ideas. I'm, I'm good at ideas. As Jared would know, I run things by him. Like, hey, we should do this. Yeah, we're constantly telling each other what we should do. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a great podcast. No Maybe shortage of ideas. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I feel you there, Aaron, on on those movies. I made the list about a couple weeks ago. I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> <laughs> took four I find weeks to make the list. <laughs> you know, I find myself falling asleep because I'll have to watch it at night when everybody's asleep. So I, Same thing happens to me. Yeah. <laughs> then you nod off. You're like, God dang it. I missed like the last half of it. <laughs> yeah. But the, and then the only other thing, uh, my other would be a second part is that is we cleaned up our basement where a lot of so i got some room back for comics in the in the basement room so i got a lot of room for i'm sure that's that's what your wife intended Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but my we had a bunch of toys for my son so you know being the kind of geeky nerd guy that i am whatever there was like an action figure or something or legos i got tons of legos i'm looking at i'm looking at two big plastic things of 
Power Ranger figures. I'll probably start seeing what I can do with those things on eBay. If anybody <laughs> needs some Power Rangers figures, let me know. They're doing pretty well on eBay. That that crowd is yeah. getting old enough to buy back their childhood again. Yeah, and they just had the movie, too. Yeah, maybe I should milk them for their money, then. That's, That's what I do. Idea. There you go. <laughs> with that, well, why don't we get moving on here on the show? Unless you guys have anything else to add. All right, we're doing a show. Oh, yeah. I can plug some more stuff if you want. Just no, don't hang I'll up that on me. Yeah. <laughs> have, you your, that. have you mentioned your friend J.M. DeMatsis yet? Oh, uh, yeah, me and J.M. are close. <laughs> I almost became best friends with Paul Kupperberg about this particular issue, by the way. But Almost. Almost. <laughs> I invited him on today. Yeah, but, I, uh, I got him on Facebook. Yeah, he got an invite to be on the show today, but told us to piss off. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's just. Oh, you should let me know. I could have got him. Sorry. All right. It's like we're doing a podcast and piss off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, like you, you didn't have to respond. You, you, you chose to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually talked to Paul on my Task Force X podcast. He's, good. He's actually a good guy when it's not Jared talking to him. Ah, uh, that's the problem. I got it. All right. <laughs> well, speaking of getting on the podcast, uh, I think that's a good segue into this part of the show. So we invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes, which can be found at the website logboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcatching feed or on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter by the handle at Crusade. We hope you come along with us on this crusade to, I guess, read them all or find out what's in your long box. Something. <laughs> Catch a little bit of both. Yes. <laughs> Got to find out what's in the long box and then read it. Uh, but now, before we get started with this episode's issue or issues, let's take a quick podcast promo break from a friend of the show and we'll be right back. Hey there, everyone. It's your old buddy, Head. You know, Aaron Moss, over at the Head Speaks Podcast. I'm still here, and so is my podcast. Starting in November, and for however many months it takes, we're going to put the Adam aside for a little while, and we're going to look at DC Comics Armageddon 2001 crossover. Join me and some of my other podcasting and internet friends as we take a look at, well, Armageddon 2001. A hero today becomes a villain tomorrow. Join us and find out who. On the Headcast Network, Armageddon 2001, along with a lot of my usual segments. Come check us out. Available at head.headspeaks.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts at. Come check us out. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get started with the show with the first segment called What's in Your Long Box? This go round, we're going to start with Jarrett to find out what's in his long box for May 1989. 
All right. Yeah. May, May of eight, 1989 brings us uh, Daredevil number 266 is what I pulled out of my long box. Obviously, it's a Marvel comic. It was cover price 75 cents. And the title of this issue is called A Beer with the Devil. Uh, it was uh, it was written by uh, Anne Nocenti and drawn by John Romita Jr. Inked by Al Williamson. Letter was Joseph Rosen. Color is Gregory A. Wright. Editor, Ralph the Karate Kid Machio. And uh, the cover was done by Romita and Williamson as well. All right. So um, quick synopsis of what was going on in Daredevil at the time. Uh, May of 89 gave us Daredevil 266, which comes to us from, as I mentioned, Anne Nocenti and John Romita Jr. era of DD, which is a very well-revered era for the book. But frankly, this issue is one of those darker, grittier, Miller-esque thought pieces, if you will. It features a depressing tale of people spending their Christmas evening drinking in a bar. Amongst them, in full costume, is Daredevil. It's more about the juxtaposition of festive Christmas time with the depression of people with nowhere to be than it is anything to do with Daredevil. Terrible things go on uh, around Daredevil as he flirts with a sexy woman at the bar, but at the end of the story, it is revealed that the woman is actually Mephisto, come to exact some vengeance upon the man without fear. So that's what was going on in Daredevil of May of 89. Sounds strange. That, that's strange. <laughs> that's not very nice of Mephisto at all. You think he's like a, a devil or something. <laughs> the devil. <laughs> Hopefully it would have bought them a drink. I, I will, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Daredevil actually made out with him, too. There was uh, a full-blown kissing scene. What? True story. <laughs> sounds, like my, sounds like my previous marriage. <laughs> oh, uh, married a woman, couldn't find out the devil. <laughs> what the? Uh, and, uh, Aaron's, Aaron's paid his way for this show already. Good job, Aaron. <laughs> but if if Mephisto, did, if Mephisto did order everybody a drink, it'd be like, oh, thanks. You're so great. Wait a minute. This is a Shirley Temple. No! <laughs> oh, maybe it's one of those new drinks they got at the, you know, the, the Moscow Mephisto. Whatever it is. <laughs> Moscow Mews or things like that. <laughs> the Memphis Mephisto. Ooh. Well, I mean, like I said in, in my little recap there, it was really, I mean, I think all of us are old enough to remember that time in the 80s, that post-Dark Knight where everybody was trying to be edgy and dark, and it was one of those. It was like, what kind of baffled me about it is it was a, Chris, it was a Christmas tale, kind of using Christmas to enhance the depression. But I'm like, wait, this is the May 89 book. And even if, you know, they usually release earlier than cover date. I didn't look it up, but I would imagine it probably came out in March. So it's like it didn't sync up with Christmas at all. It was just a little weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. This would have been, it wouldn't have been a Christmas time. It would have been. It it was was just really bizarre, to be honest with you. Uh, Although, and I may be jumping ahead here, I did, um, one of our Twitter followers made a a good point. I want to give credit where it's due here. Let me make sure I got this guy's name. His name is, wait for it, wait for it. Good show, this is good showmanship right here. Uh, Bob Buster. Bob Buster made a good point to say in this issue, Mephisto did tell Daredevil that he was going to basically uh, become possessed by the beast, become possessed by the devil. And way down the road in issues like 500 to about 512, that actually happened. So it was kind of a, a neat tie-in, that I, that, and I've read all those issues, too, and it just didn't click in my head. Uh, but uh, thanks to uh, one of our Twitter guys, Bob Buster, made the comment, and I thought, that's a good insight. So anyway, I don't know how you guys feel about the Miller-esque late 80s comics, but that's it for Daredevil. 
I, I'm completely not believing you that some dude named Bob Buster was on Twitter. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> it's true. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> Don't like help, Pat. Do not help. <laughs> I would have to say I wasn't much into Daredevil at, at that time. I really didn't know what was going on with him. If, if there was, if I, I think if I have an issue of it in the boxes, it's going to be probably from a crossover somewhere. At this yeah, point. I remember I dipped my toe into it because I was big into Wolverine at that time, like like the rest of the comic book world, and he had a guest appearance in one of those runs, and so I. I I read that and I stuck with it for a little bit. I mean, it was it was a pretty decent run from what I remember. I, I I'm sure I read this because this was right after I got addicted to comics and I was buying almost everything from DC and Marvel. In fact, I recently go through my long boxes and I've got you know some of the Disney stuff in there. So I, I was totally addicted. So I'm sure I had this one, but yeah, I don't remember much about it at this point. Again, Daredevil. I like Daredevil, but he's on the lower end of uh, fandom. Yeah. And also, real quick, I looked up on Mike's uh, website, Amazing okay. World of Comics, and it was actually on sale January the third. Okay, so, so it was right, right after Christmas. So. That's pretty close. Yeah, we'll give it we'll give it the close enough award then. Well, I think uh, for those that want to learn a little bit more about Daredevil, there is a excellent podcast out there. I'm going to plug here. It is Dave's Daredevil podcast. Uh, Dave J. Weeder does a great job on. He has a lot of knowledge of Daredevil on that show. So if something to check out, do you want to do, know, learn a little bit more, listen to a little bit more about Daredevil? That's what I've been doing is listening to Dave's Daredevil podcast. Check oh. it out. The Dare. Nice. Yep, take the dare. Does he? Um, does it sound like you do a lot of show prep, or does he just go in blind? Oh no, he. Oh, you got me. You got me. Your button hooked me. Your button hooked me. No, Dave does a, a great job. He's he prepares himself. I know, unlike I do. Unlike uh, our show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jared, you got a radar sense of humor. I think with that, why don't we go into the next one before we get more. Puns at wait something weird. something Billy Club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seriously trying to think what I could do with that Billy Club. Oh. <laughs> Dead fathers. Oh, speaking, well, speaking of a Billy Club, you might um, you hit me too hard with that. I might start seeing stars, kind of like a I'd be Starman. Oh, oh, nice transitions. Yeah. Uh, that's going to bring us into uh, what's in my por- portion of uh, even though I have. The two issues here is the other one I have is our featured issue, but I now let Jason describe that one. But mine right now that I pulled out for May of 1989 is Starman number 10. And again, I, this was chosen as uh, knowing that Aaron was going to be on, so I chose this one because he's a big Starman <laughs> fan. Good call. Good call. Yeah, I fe- yeah, just trying to make sure I can stay on some of your shows there. But. <laughs> <laughs> So this is Starman, issue number 10 from DC Comics. Uh, I had a cover price of a dollar uh, with the title of Dark Knight in Mon- Monument Valley. The writer was Roger Stern. Penciler is Tom Lee. Lee, is that right? I think it's Lyle. Lyle. It says Lyle See? here. There we go. Don't have me do credits. Anchor is Robert Lewis. Letterer is Robert M. Pinaha. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Colorist is Michelle Wolfman. 
Editor Robert Greenberger and cover artist is Tom Lyle. There we go. I did it. I'm just going to do a a quick brief synopsis. I didn't spend too much time on this because I just took it from what Mike's Amazing World had to say. To make any of Mike's, uh, yeah, it's great. No prep needed. And we have a short synopsis of the police find Starman's apparently lifeless body and work with local EMTs to review revive him. They seemingly fail and think that the hero is dead. However, Starman recovers. He just doesn't have a heartbeat as a result of getting his powers. Once he regains his senses, Starman resumes his pursuit of Blockbuster, who had knocked him out the issue before. On the trail, he meets Batman, who has come from Gotham City to find Roland Desmond, who is Blockbuster. They compare notes, then track down and defeat the new Blockbuster together. Um, This was a, a good read. I liked it. I learned a little bit more about Starman and... Batman showed up in there, which was kind of different, but to see Batman in that era, kind of, he, he's a guy that starts to know everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are Starman's powers? I, I don't really know Starman well, all that well. That's the reason why I brought Aaron on the show, so he can tell us a little <laughs> bit more about Starman. Yeah, I've, I'm, I've honestly never read a Starman before. In me, me too. Me too. Right now, I think he's really yeah. famous. You know, he's a star. Man. Man. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm his, not going to have with this nonsense. No. <laughs> gets his powers from the Hollywood Walk of Fame. No. No, it's actually what exactly. Uh, no, that's completely wrong. <laughs> Aaron, you want to give us a, a high-level view of Starman? Uh, Starman was this uh, guy named Will Payton that was taking a hike through the mountains. Uh, he woke up in a big scorch patch. Come to find out that he, a s- satellite malfunction. This group is uh, working on giving this group of five or six individual superpowers the station malfunctioned, and a lot of the power beamed down and hit Will Payton, happened to be hiking along, and gave him powers. Uh, he could change the way he looks, his, his skin color, his shape. He could radiate heat, fly. Uh, he, As he says here, he doesn't have a heartbeat. He doesn't breathe. Uh, he stuck around for 50, 60 issues, I believe. No, it wasn't that long. He was around for a little while, and then they canceled that series, and eventually they tied it into the next Starman series down the line. But I, I picked up Starman from the beginning, and... I really like this version of Starman so much. Again, I'm doing a podcast on it. So I say this was a two-part story introducing the new blockbuster. The previous one died during the Legends crossover. I blockbuster was a yeah, he was a big Batman villain. Yeah, the original blockbuster was Roland. Yeah, he was uh, Roland's brother. Mark was the original blockbuster, and he died fighting Brims back in Legends. I think it was Legends three as part of the Suicide Squad. Another book I have a podcast on. But uh, <laughs> is this but that's the same a, oh, a quick overview? That's Starman. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, is this the same blockbuster? That ends up being like a like a Nightwing villain. Yeah, uh, he yeah. Roland eventually gets shipped over to the Nightwing book, and okay. he okay. becomes smarter, and yeah, he becomes a big Nightwing villain for a while. Okay, yeah, that's how I know him. Yeah, that same guy. I liked this issue. Um, it was a little more grittier, I think. You know. Um, than some of the other other hero comic books, I, I think this one and Checkmate one that we're going to listen, we're going to go through is a little more mature, I think. And I yeah, like I, I'm I'm guessing DC didn't have a problem with more adult theme style books. I mean, they couldn't have with just the material of like you know just the synopsis of Starman. That's not your typical run of the mill. Say, I don't know, 
what you think of like a Superman comic book back in the 80s or something. That's some pretty heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all in all, yeah, I thought it was... Oh, go ahead, Aaron. I was just say, yeah, I think this is when they started promoting the whole comics aren't just for kids anymore and we're trying to go for a little bit more... I don't want to say adult storylines, but adult storylines were more, more mature, a little more gritty, if you will, for a lot of their books. Yeah, a lot of people said that that kind of that tone, that difference in tone between DC and Marvel that really came out in the late 80s is kind of carries over into the movies now. And that's why you get darker tone DC movies than the Marvel movies. And I can agree with that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, this is in my, my collection or my long box uh, because of Aaron. Um, listening to his Starman and Manhunter Hour podcast, I, I found some in my back bin divings, and so I picked some up to kind of follow along with him. So definitely a good. Glad, I, glad someone's listening and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> helping some comics sort with their back issues. <laughs> <laughs> But no, and it got me, you know, it was listening to that, that I'm like, oh, I got to check this guy out and, read, you know, kind of start to read along with him. So enjoying it so far. Yeah, a lot of people don't care for Starman's costume. They call it, I know, uh, I think it was Shag, calls it the peanut butter and jelly costume. I personally oh. really like Starman's costume at this point. Well, I personally really like peanut butter and jelly, so. Yeah, well, there you go. Nothing, nothing wrong with peanut butter <laughs> me and too, jelly. too, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. It's. It stands out. Yeah, later on, he'll change to more of a blacker costume. Anything else on this, Aaron? Uh, no, I said this is, as you said, this is a two-part story starring, I guess, starring Batman. Again, usually they would have a lot of superheroes early on in a hero's run to help introduce their book, uh, 9 and 10. A little bit later than a lot of times, but it's Batman. So, again, I really like the cover of this one. We get in the background with his cape flowing, and then we get front and center, we get Starman, and Blockbuster beating the snot. Yeah, and this was '89, so you know they're gonna put Batman in everything. Yeah. Well, and he uh, for for most of it, the issue, he's not in it a lot. He's just kind of observing, and you know, he's he's learning a little bit more about the power sets of Starman, and you know, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? What what kind of you know someone to keep around for the future? You know, Batman, he's always observing people. That's right. Guy stays alive. Mm-hmm. Um. Anybody have anything more on Starman? It's a great series. Go check it out. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> I remember the movie from like the 80s. Oh, it's not the same. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wrong, wrong Starman. <laughs> My bad. Um, so didn't that have TV Karen Allen in it? Wrong Starman. <laughs> it did. The movie did, yes. <laughs> yes. I think. Uh, oh, go ahead. Was it Jeff Bridges? <laughs> <laughs> now we're just going to start. I think Jeff movie. Bridges was it. <laughs> and Karen Allen, too, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. And once again, Karen Allen. All right, I think with that, then, if you want to learn more, I'll plug another show here, and that is going to be the Starman Manhunter Hour that our guest, Aaron Moss, uh, hosts. It's a very great show. I've learned a lot about Starman from there, and that's what got me into finding some of these books to follow along with him. So you want to learn more, Aaron's your guy. Thank you. Uh, let's go on to the next and find out what's in Delvin's long box. What's in my long bo- box like? When 89 came out, like I was probably collecting all of two comic book series. Uh, and one was uh, Amazing Spider-Man, and the other one was uh, Transformers. Volume 1, uh, issue 52, uh, that came out about the same time. Uh, that came out in uh, May 1989. The cover was by Jose Delbo and inked by Danny Belandi. The book was written by Bob Budiansky. And quick note about him, that dude like is integral to a lot of just the original Transformers. 
Uh, he he's the one. Any like if you remember the toys back in the day that had the specs of like you know the I think like strength, courage, endurance, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like and then like the like the personality traits from all the characters. Bob Budiansky, Bob Budiansky is the one that came up with those. So like just all of those characters, and I don't know. I just like think that's pretty incredible. And then he drew a lot of the or not drew. He wrote a lot of uh, the original comic book series as well. Bob Budiansky wrote the book. It was drawn by Jose Delbo, inked by Dave Hunt, lettered by Manny Mayos, colored by Nelson Yamtov, edited by Don Daly, and uh, the editor-in-chief was uh, Tom DePalco. Real quick synopsis about the book. The book was uh, mainly marketing uh, the Pretender Transformers. Uh, Pretenders, if you remember the toy line, it, it was a human shell but inside the human shell was uh, the actual uh, robot, which transformed uh, into something else. So you uh, pretty much got two toys in one, and one of them transformed. And the book revolved around two of the pretender robots going to this outpost called uh, Grand Central Space Station, creative thing. And they had to remain in their pretender Autobot form because this station, home of all the scalawags of the universe, they hated robots. So they had to stay in uh, ro- uh, the pretender form and they had to get tons of microchips because a lot of the Autobots were damaged after this huge battle in issue 50 uh, with an overpowered Starscream. And so the whole book uh, revolves around uh, the storyline of uh, Cloudburst and Landmine, the two pretender uh, robots, and I think that's actually a good stopping point other than to say, like, the enemy of the uh, episode uh, would be uh, they were made-up characters called the Mechanibals, and they were like uh, huge robot-eating uh, robots. They uh, they feasted on robots, and the end of the episode actually wound up with the pretenders uh, caught in their web uh, looking like they were in an inescapable situation. Sounds interesting. I, I tell you what, like, look, like, just, like, doing the synopsis of it, 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 like, just writing it up, it took me, like, 30 minutes to do it, and I'm like, holy crap, like, for a, like, comic book that was just about toys, that was a pretty intricate storyline. Wow. It wasn't just a toys smashing to each other, yay! Like, I actually read it and was, you know, at, you know being my age, you know, as opposed to when it came out and I was like 12, you know, I, I was like, this book actually had, you know, you know, nuance and you could appreciate that they were, they went out and tried to define the personality of the two um, Transformers that were like mainly featured in it. They, they did a really good job with this book. I was interested about the Bob Budiansky. I mean, that's a name that I'm familiar with, but I didn't realize he was, he's pretty much, sounds like he's pretty much to what, to the Transformers, to what Larry Hama was to G.I. Joe. Yeah, that's what I was he, yeah he was. Like, he, I'm, I'm, I, I, can, I can look it up, but uh, Bob Budiansky wrote the first four episodes, uh, issues of uh, Transformers when they were trying to tie it into the original Marvel Universe, and then somebody <laughs> thankfully had the like, ideas like, yeah, maybe we don't want... <laughs> big robot rolling planet Earth along with Spider-Man, like that. <laughs> Probably not a good idea. A little um, too much. <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit too much. Like, Bob Budiansky was there from the beginning. And, again, like, the thing that was... And who knows what his motivation was, but, I mean, any of the original... 
Transformers, he is the one who created the personalities for him. And, and that's a pretty cool thing. Like, um, something that the movies completely ignored. Heavy pause. Movies? I I think you guys are right there with the, you know, just as long as this series went on, um, kind of like GI Joe too, it's, it's more than the toy line. You know, there is story, there's intrigue, there's, um, an overall bigger events and all that happening that, you know, suck you in once you start to read it and go, I got to find out more. And, oh, this is interesting. They told real stories. And, you know, again, this uh, issue 52 was, you know, these two uh, Transformers going off to get microchips because in issue 50, there was this whole thing where a Starscream got like a hold of this thing called the Underbay and it made him ridiculously powerful. And like all the Autobots and Decepticons had to combine to try and stop them. And like Starscream was like just they, he was he was destroying them left and right. And it's like, holy crap. Like this isn't it wasn't one of those like, oh, yeah, they got damaged and they'll all default back next episode or next issue. It was no. These are these like characters that you like. and You might have the toy of got knocked out of commission. Maybe you'll see them again. Maybe you want, you know, mm-hmm. that's robot life, son. And it was, <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> that's robot life son (laughs) (laughs) well it's interesting too because i I was kind of thinking about this in the in a bigger context and it's it's an interesting period with our childhoods that i think that this was a a brief window where the comics were and the toys were really kind of feeding each other you know we collected the toys and the comics were feeding our imagination and i think this was before video games became the default mode of entertainment so yeah this was i i i was really interested in this one delvin because like i said transformers wasn't something that i really gravitated towards but it's interesting to see that it it kind of had a similar formula gi joe as far as having a, a a really talented writer actually tell good stories as opposed to just having you know a comic that's 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 meant to to generate interest in in the toys this this actually was was a piece of art mm-hmm. yeah i think it's well, much much like gi joe yeah go ahead as much like much like gi joe i mean this comic was created to help sell the toys and yeah. they had a cartoon, but the comic, the writers on the comic, they did such a, and not to put down the TV shows, because that's what got me into the whole thing was to start with the uh, cartoon, but Larry over on G.I. Joe and Bob over here on Transformers, they took the, the comics much more than the TV shows did, and they made a much more, like I say, it's there to sell toys, but these writers actually made you care for these characters, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I think that would make, no, I made, agree. Uh, I think that made you buy the toy more. Because you yes. know, yeah. you, could, you know that character more. You know, oh, I like that guy. He's yeah. you know, he's got this personality, or you know. Oh, I could I could guarantee it did. I, just for me, with uh, when I was collecting GI Joes, because yeah, the the characters in the comics really drove the the characters that I was interested in. Yeah. Um, to buy as action figures. What I'm surprised. I wish I would have known in 1989. I wish I I wasn't reading Transformers at the time. I do want to go back into the series and, and go through it. So um, I'm going to be on a crusade to find those. So if anybody's got can some, I, send them my way. I mean, I I can tell you. I mean, 
and I've already told you, like what got me into Transformers, like my I, I loved the, the toys as a kid, and I was like I was eight years old. I had you know like so much money in my pocket that I needed to burn like six whole dollars, and my mom told me that she was gonna take me to the mall so I can pick up like a toy, and I was so happy. And who knows what happened? Probably some super important adult stuff that me as an eight-year-old couldn't possibly understand. We couldn't go to the mall that day. And so, I, but, you know, me being a kid, I kept bugging her, and she took me to the drugstore. And she's like, yeah, uh, boy, you better get something here and leave me alone. And <laughs> I was going to say, did she leave you at the drugstore? And, and I'm like, well, you know, thank, you know thankfully, you know, I, uh, I have that thing called respect and a little bit of common sense to, you know, keep quiet. And even though I knew that there wasn't a toy, at Big B Drugstore that I better not say anything about it. So I went looking for a consolation prize, and there on the comic book rack was Transformers 23. And, and in, that episode, in that issue, Optimus Prime died. He got blowed up. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, what? Yeah. Like, that's not, he's, not, he's not dead. And that, that like, hooked. So my, my mom did me like, you know, she thought she was like getting getting by just by, you know, getting me this consolation prize and then wind up hooking me for the rest of my life. And I had no, I had no idea it was going to happen because up until that point, I really had no interest in comic books and that completely lit a fire and that, that never went out. Cool. Good story. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. It's funny how we remember those special comic book buying moments. I was going to say... Um, the thing that struck me in this is that I wish in 1989 I, I would have read this. So then watching MTV uh, when the pretenders were on, I would have I <laughs> paid a little more close attention to see if they were going to transform or something in their videos. Uh, I was going to make a pretenders joke, too, but you beat me to it. Yeah, well, you know, I had to. I had to. <laughs> My uh, joke is now gone. <laughs> Get it? Anyway. <laughs> and does anybody have anything else on Transformers? No, no. That that's a that was a great that's synopsis and a and a good reveal into Delvin's childhood. Yes. Thanks, Delvin. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> We're learning more like, about Delvin. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to him than meets the never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, and with that, let's end it on a party. Very funny. <laughs> well, why don't we get into today's adventure from the long box. Checkmate number 15 with a cover date of May 1989. I'll go through the credits on this one because everybody knows I love to talk about names of creators. Uh, the credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. And it was published by DC at a cover date of May 1989, but you could find it on the shelves on March 14th, 1989. Cover price of $1.50. Uh, the story's title is Night Kill, the Janus Directive, Part 1. Of an 11-part series I'm looking at in the cover. Uh, but the writer is Paul Kuppelberg, who soon will be a friend of Jared's. <laughs> <laughs> One way or another. Uh, penciler is <laughs> Steve Irwin. Inker is Al... Crikey! <laughs> oh, I didn't... You me do it. There you go. I didn't know. It didn't Rest in peace, me. Steve. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh, Inker is Al Vey. V? Is that... I, I thought it was Vey. I ever have to say. Vey. Okay. 
Well, uh, Aaron says Vey, then that's the way I'm going. He's the expert here. <laughs> he's the he's the official guy. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the colorist. Drum uh, roll, drum roll. Colorist is Juliana Ferritter. Ferritter. <laughs> <laughs> not the way I pronounce it every time. <laughs> That's am I right? On I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce it either. Bad. It's just it's have, more it's more fun for me to make fun of you. We'll call it Ju- <laughs> Juliana F. Yeah, well, that, maybe that's not good either. But anyway, <laughs> sorry if I, I yeah, apologize. No, I have problems pronouncing her name too, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Letterer is uh, Augustine. Mass or mass letterer and editor is Jonathan Peterson. Cover credits uh, artist is Gil Kane. So a nice, nicely drawn cover by Gil Kane. With that, Jason is our spokesperson for this issue. So, Jason, why don't you go ahead and describe the cover to us? Okay, thanks, Pat. Yeah, let's talk about the eye candy here. This cover of Checkmate has uh, in the foreground cover of the. Uh, I call him the Knight. I don't know. Is it? Is that the Golden Knight? Is that? Does anybody know who that is? They didn't really identify him in the comic book. You mean Bishop? No, no. The knight. The bishop's the, 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 oh, the knight. lord over him. Yeah. So. Oh, you know what? It's just a knight. Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of, he's in the foreground, but he's kind of small. And then lording over him is the character Bishop, who's this uh, heavily armored, uh, masked and cowled character holding a pistol that looks like he's going to blow away our our hero the night there checkmate the cover title is pretty cool it's spelled out checkmate with an exclamation point the a and checkmate is in the shape of the night and then there's a big uh, explosive letter box that says who is the man called bishop and then on the left hand side going down the spine it lets you know that this is part one of a mini series called the Yanis Directive. Well, you and so, Jay on that, I see. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, as it's <laughs> as it's supposed to, as it's supposed to be. Oh, oh like, like that, Mister Fancy Pants got words. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> so that pretty much describes the cover. So I'll I'll just kind of go around and and get get our thoughts. And since Aaron's our guest, we'll let him go first and tell us what you think about the cover, Aaron. I, I really like this cover. Um, again, as I've talked about over on my Task Force X podcast, I, I really love the design of the knights. Uh, this one here is more of an armored knight, so he's a little more bulkier, but I still love the way they look. Bishop on the cover, I really like him. The way his hood's up over his face, covering his, his head, face except for his eyes, and the colors of the costume, it reminds me a lot of the Vigilante, yeah, that's which good is kind of what the series came from. And so yeah, I was in my, when I first saw this, I was like, what the heck? And once you get inside, you actually see what's underneath the hood. It's, in my opinion, it's not quite as cool, but just because I'm a big vigilante fan. But overall, I really enjoyed this cover. Okay, Jared is the is our residential art expert. What are your thoughts? Ah, uh, man, yeah, I'm an art expert. I'm going to judge Gil Kane real quick. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> he he could have done better. Uh, <laughs> he phoned it in on this one. <laughs> really phoned it. The funny thing is, it does. This does look like a, a cover that Gil Kane probably drew in about an hour, but it's still awesome. It's got a real good. Um, I like its composition. Like you said, I like the the sort of looming bad guy. Uh, the the outfit of of Knight looks good. The color fade. It's the the background is one solid color, and it starts with like a deep orange at the top and goes to a light to the bottom. Uh, it all flows well, which makes the blue checkmate logo pop really well. The Janister, or I'm sorry, the Yannis director. <laughs> um, 
typeface font going down the side with the torn cover look really uh, is a, is a neat effect for a uh, uh, what you know like a maxi series type of a deal. Uh, so overall, I think it's great. It's pretty simple, but it works well. That's that's my thoughts on it. Okay, Delvin, what do you what do you got to throw in there? I like comics <laughs> yes that's why i have him on the show well, that's right our usual deep thoughts by delvin <laughs> well i mean following our resident art expert uh Jared albrecht uh, <laughs> 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 it's jokes i like i mean i i don't have much more to add other than like it 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 is, it is pretty cool. It shows that um, Bishop is going to be a major bad guy to the night because it has, you know, has him looming over. And he's, you know, huge, looks like he's about to go, you know, grab the hero of the story. And that stuck out more, you know, to me than anything. It, it definitely, you would definitely pay attention to it on the comic book, right? Okay. Pat? Saving the best for last. What are your thoughts? Well, thank you, Jason. Um, <laughs> no, I'm the last. I'm just oh. saying, I was saying I'm the last. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> well, I uh, definitely agree with uh, everything that's been said. Um, it is... I think the the background color that really stands out in the fade. Looking at the composition of it, it's too. It, it's an eye catching cover. It, it grabbed me in right away, wanting to know what's this guy all about in the nights. Uh, learning a little bit more about the knights in this group of that's called checkmate what are they going on what's going on and um again i'm a sucker for stories and and kind of longer events so the the part one of 11 got me is like okay we're gonna get into something here that really drew my attention in again to great cover uh by gil kane can't say anything bad about it so how about you jason <laughs> Well, yeah, I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard of this uh, Jill Connie guy before. Uh, he's, he's done a couple covers in his day. And uh, this one does look, look good. I, I think I'm going to echo the I, I really like the orange fade background. I thought that really made the cover pop. I, I really like I like the title, the way the, the way they have the, the checkmate mm-hmm. laid out with the profile of the night piece. As the A is cool. And just, I, I think the one thing I'll highlight on this thing that, that you folks touched on, but I'll just expand just a little bit, is the menace of Bishop as he's lording over and he's reaching out with his left hand as if as if the knight is just a piece on the board. Mm. I think that that was something that um, uh, really uh, stood out to me. Uh, let's face it, you know, Checkmate isn't like your A-list title, so this cover really had to be something that, that promotes the story and really convinces somebody to, to buy uh, the comic, and I think it does a good job at doing that. Well, with that, I think, well, why don't we get into the synopsis, Jason? All right, so I'll take it away. I'm going to warn you all in advance, this is a little bit longer than our usual synopsis because there's a lot of stuff that happens in this story. The story opens uh, with this low-life scumbag named Warwick and he's retrieving his car from a restaurant valet. He uh, retrieves a secretive envelope from under his seat and is driving away when the armored knight dives through his windshield. Warwick and the knight 
are scuffling in the car until the vehicle rolls over and the knight emerges victorious with a letter and Warwick as his prisoner. So then we cut to Kerning Industries, which I think is the headquarters of Checkmate, if I'm understanding that correctly, in Shelby, Virginia. And we're introduced to this uh, super cool headquarters and a man named Harry who appears to be in charge of the whole thing. Uh, So in a briefing, we learn that Warwick, the guy that was just captured, was hired by the mob to set up a hit on a political target that they don't know who the the target is. So the mysterious envelope contains a location where Warwick was supposed to meet up uh, with his employers, the guy that wants the target taken out. So the group devises a hasty scheme to disguise Ray Carson, who's also the knight, as Warwick and send him to the rendezvous location, which is in this case is an opera uh, performed at the Lincoln Center. So the story continues at the opera and Carson uh, disguises Warwick, makes contact with one of the villains and is brushed past another mysterious envelope. Carson's leaving with the envelope, gets into his car when he and his chauffeur Rick are attacked by a hail of gunfire. So Carson quickly changes into his knight armor and exchanges shots with the mysterious assailant. Eventually, the two opponents close the distance and end up in hand-to-hand combat, and Carson is introduced to a heavily armored, masked, and hooded hitman who we will learn is called Bishop. During the melee, Bishop, who has been hired by the mob to off Warwick and keep him from talking, kicks the crap out of the knight, destroys the car, mistakenly believing that the real Warwick is inside, and thinking his task is complete, he leaves a beaten and unconscious knight behind. So, once he's recovered, Carson goes back into the field, again disguised as Warwick, and gets a drop on one of the Mafia stooges who set up the hit. He threatens to kill the Mafia dude if the made man doesn't pay him $5 million. And he does this because he believes this act will cause this mafia dude to get Bishop to try to take him out again, him being Warwick, or who he thinks is Warwick, and he will get one last crack at the assassin before the hitman can take out the still unknown political target. So with his plan in place, Carson disguises himself as Warwick for a final time, is flown by helicopter to the meeting point at the top of the skyscraper. Uh, The plan works. Bishop shoots down the chopper with a rocket, but not before Carson is able to get back into his night armor and jump out near a dock by the edge of the water. And the battle is quickly joined, and and it's a a pretty uh, glorious fight indeed. Melee seesaws back and forth. Bishop ignites a horrific flamethrower and all looks lost for our gallant hero. But with one last desperate shot from his battle staff, Carson manages to score a direct hit on the flamethrowing weapon, which ignites the fuel under the armor. Like a grotesque effigy, Bishop is engulfed in flames. The armored assassin desperately leaps off of a pier into the water and disappears from sight. Carson remains battered but victorious. So the story winds up in an epilogue back at Checkmate headquarters. Amanda Waller and Suicide Squad member Bronze Tiger informs Checkmate that they're going to war. What war? With whom? We need to find out in Suicide Squad number 27. Let the games begin. And so that is the review in a nutshell. I will let Pat take it from here since this was his story and say, uh, what did you think about the story, Pat? Uh, I liked it. Uh, A very intriguing story. I enjoyed uh, the espionage part of it all. Through, through the checkmate team. I like how the team's set up. You have, you know, the knights and then the guys that help them are the pawns and all that they do. I like how uh, you see the progression of the actual knight. His uniform changes. 
either he's light armored or then towards the end he's uh, higher armored up. And this this story too is uh, like I mentioned earlier is, is a little more darker feel to it. Yeah, Bishop, interesting character, big guy in a robot-y kind of a suit. So it's harder for the knight to take him down, and and the knight doesn't realize it for a while as he's trying all these you know shooting at him and shooting at him, and nothing's happened. But then he's getting blasted away at by the bishop. All the other extra supporting characters that are around to help the knights out. I, I think that's kind of neat to have this network of people uh, in different places throughout the story that help the knight along as well. It did have kind of a cloak and dagger feel to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I found that's what I found really interesting and liked. I was like, oh, I got to read more. Um, I've never read the 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 Giannis or Yanis directive so I, I find that starting at the beginning of this story is is something i want to follow up on and read more about uh where it goes from here i like that uh in in the training area in the beginning we find uh you you see a lady who's from used to be negative woman from the doom patrol so they're kind of weaving that aspect around i don't know what's going to happen with her why she's involved so yeah i actually i was i i had that in the synopsis at first, but I mean, it, it didn't really, it wasn't really germane to the story as a yeah. whole. Maybe it is to the, maybe it is to the, the overall story arc, but um, yeah, I, I mean, it was just, there's so much stuff that was going on in there. I, I ended up cutting that, that out. Yeah. Over, overall, I'm intrigued. Uh, I really enjoyed the story. I want to know why and what's happening. I, I'm interested in more. Okay, great. Jared, what are your thoughts? Uh, this yeah, this was a, a first time I've ever read a checkmate book. I remember it being on the shelves when I would have been about thirteen at the time. And thirteen-year-old Jared, I see why he would have passed on it. There's no, there's not a lot of big superhero-y stuff going on. It's uh, much more of an espionage book. But now, forty-year-old Jared is really impressed with it. And now I'm able to look at it and say, essentially, this is James Bond in a superhero format yeah. and i and i yeah. obviously that's very appealing to me so i thought it was i thought it was great definitely a lot going on i again i can see why 13 year old jared would go uh okay i give up i don't understand but there's a lot of layers going on here. 46-year-old uh, Jason almost gave up. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, You're right. The Checkmate outfits look cool. I, I like how they do a lot of the, in a very James Bondian way, like a lot of not only what's going on out in the field, but how things are back in the office. Like there's an office to go back to and things to discuss and, and different pieces of puzzle. Like you have Q and M in the James Bond stories. I know nothing about the Doom Patrol. So I assume negative woman's powers are like, we're never going to make it. No possible <laughs> way we can do this. We're doomed. See, I, I was going to say, could, could they even have a character called negative woman right now? There would be like, there would be so many bloggers with like 10,000 word articles. <laughs> That's sort of my overall on Checkmate. First Checkmate issue I've ever read. Uh, it was definitely good enough for me to want to read to want to read more. It, um, good stuff. Very espionage very James Bond, crossed with superheroes. Jared gives it a thumbs up. All right. Delvin, what are your thoughts? Overall, I did think it was, it was a good read. You definitely got that spy intrigue novel and... Yeah, you know, it it reminds me that like at the time back in '89, I wasn't reading any DC comic books, and I agree with Jared. You know, when at at a twelve, you know, at, at tw- age twelve, that book would have been too much for me. It was like not not necessarily enough action, but like looking at it now, 
It definitely had like a, a lot of intrigue. It was interesting to me that the hero, the knight, I, I wouldn't say that he seemed unprepared, but he kind of was unprepared. But it's not like he knew his villain. You know, it's not like he, he, he knew exactly who he was fighting. It was an ambush. So it was it was something that was actually kind of fresh uh, when it comes to books, because like a lot of times in books, you'll get that you know very coincidental thing where like the good guy just seems to be completely and perfectly prepared for the bad guy that didn't happen in this case and that is exactly what would go on in a real fight like if someone ambushed you you'd have to play that you know catches catch can style there's a lot of stuff going on i kind of like seeing amanda waller in there it's, it's good to know that she was a cutthroat B back in the day just like she is you know, from the, the Suicide Squad just like she is in the in the uh, DC universe that they have going on now like they have kept her character uh, very much so uh, consistent over the decades uh, and that was kind of cool to see too so I, you know overall like it, it was a good read and, and, it, it, and it shows you just how much they can put in I mean, was that a standard comic book? Was that just a standard 19-page comic book from back in the day? Yeah, I believe so. I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was extended length at all. But but they packed much, a lot of stuff. How much stuff did they pack into yeah. that? That that's in, that is an incredible feat uh, for the writer to do. Uh, so that's something as well to be impressed by. Def- definitely a bang for the buck fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, in all honesty, when I wrote up the synopsis, I, I cut out probably about two and a half pages of that. Like I, like we talked about, I cut out the part where, where, uh, Harry was talking to the, um, um, negative woman character. And I'm going to work out. <laughs> no one ever. <laughs> That's right. He asked her to join and she said no. She so said surprise, surprise. He, he should have seen that coming, I guess. I don't like the way you said it. Uh, and then I also cut out, though, because there is a part in there where right after the initial fight where the knight is getting bandaged up and they let him know that the um, analysts have determined who the target is. And the target ended up being some newly elected Central American politician who is going to crack down on the drug flow into his country. And the mafia is, of course, making a lot of money off of selling drugs in the country. So they want him eliminated. So I, I cut that out, too, because it wasn't really I don't think it was germane to that that issue. It didn't really have any any effect on it but uh, who knows it might have might have had a bigger role in the upcoming story arc i did the homework real quick and it's a 24 page issue by the way okay oh, oh is it 24 24 which i believe was standard at the time yeah which is yeah hmm. which is pretty standard for for that time well, they, did they a moved good job on to 22 to 24 pages like in the 80s somewhere hmm. i think did a good job of packing it all in there they sure did so aaron what what were your thoughts on uh on checkmate number 15 He's never read it before. <laughs> no, nope. I, I was going to say, I've never read this book before. Actually, I'd started reading Checkmate like seven issues before this one is when I started reading the book. And then I went back and picked up the other issues. Overall, I think it good. No, I, I really enjoyed this issue. Well said. A good book. Checkmate good. Check, Hulk like Checkmate. It's good. Uh, again, I was reading all these books at the time because, again, I had an addiction, as I've said. So I thought it was a good start to a multi-part storyline. 
the Janus, or as some people say, Janus Directive, crossover between the Suicide Squad. It also involved Firestorm, and I believe it was Captain Adam, and I want to say Manhunter, oh. uh, which I was reading all those books anyway, so it didn't matter to me. I picked them up. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I think it was a great crossover overall. As far as this issue, like I, I've said on my Task Force X, and you guys have mentioned, the Knight's costume looks fantastic. I just love the way this outfit's designed. Personally, I like Bishop better when his, his hood's on. I didn't care as much for the robot-looking design of it. Uh, part of it was because, like I said, he looked a bit like the vigilante, so it was kind of reminiscence. But, yeah, but it wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I was going to agree with you there, and I think he looked more cooler with the cape on and the hood. It looks a little more generic when you get down to it. Yeah. When you, yeah. But yeah, if I'm not mistaken, the whole subplot with uh, Val, aka Negative Woman, I believe later she does join up with the team, if I remember correctly. Uh, again, I've gotten these issues in my rereading. It kind of looked like that's the road they were on. Yeah, but like I say, yeah, the espionage port, and that's what I heard was someone mentioned that you know this was was a darker book than most of your DC books at the time. This was this and the Suicide Squad mm-hmm. was more of your espionage books. It was more of a darker look at the DC universe. Uh, Checkmate, uh, for the most part, didn't have many uh, heroes in it, unlike Suicide Squad, which had a bunch of supervillains. Uh, this book overall didn't have a lot of heroes showing up in it. You didn't see bad. Superman crossing over every other month. Uh, this was a more espionage, more of a, a Mission Impossible type. And that's what I think of now looking back when I we see the uh, knight pulling his, his rubber mask off to reveal himself. Uh, it makes me think of Mission Impossible with the, you know, lifelike masks off. Right, all right, that's good. Uh, again, Bishop, yeah. I said, well, I may not care for the robot design. I, I really did like he was, I thought he was a good villain for Checkmate. I mean, he was big and powerful and it gave the knight something to struggle against. This could be a good movie, you know. You could yeah. have, you know, oh, yeah. or TV series, TV, yeah. yeah, or TV, yeah, It'd yeah, be a good TV it, series to follow it, the knights. It'd be DC's response to like Agents of Shield. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to see that. I think that'd be cool. Oh, I'd definitely be on board the Checkmate TV series. It'd be kind of like Agents of Shield in a way. Yeah. Yes, it'd be DC's answer to Agents of Shield. Good answer, yeah, Jason. I just, I just said that, Jason. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, dark you guys, web isn't you know, coming in. You guys, you know what? I just came to my mind is I think this would be a good thing for DC to go against Agents of Shield. Oh, I, just, I just thought of that. I just came up with that. That's a that, that was a good thought, Matt. You, you're you're, you're so you wise, Matt. You're so wise. <laughs> but yeah, no, really. Sorry. You guys suck. Welcome I just want to know that. What's the show, Aaron? <laughs> Feel free to bash anybody else on the show too, Aaron. Just welcome aboard. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I will. <laughs> and as uh, yeah, like I say, Amanda Waller, as I've talked about over on Task Force X, I, I love this version of Amanda Waller. I hated in the early 2000s, I made her skinny and beautiful. I'm like, that's not Amanda Waller. She still has no. the attitude, but this is the Amanda Waller. This is mostly the Amanda Waller we got in the Suicide Squad movie. She was a bit more villainous there, which I'm not going to get into here, but I, I love. Amanda Waller. I think she's a great character. Again, as I talked about elsewhere, the skinny Amanda Waller, how does she get to where she's at? By sleeping with everybody? By, you know, not to stereotype women, but, you know, you can't quite tell. Here, she was a short, overweight, loudmouth, I guess you say obnoxious, you know, woman that got where she wanted and what she wanted by bullying her way through. She would tell people, you know, this is the way it's going to be, and if you don't like it, you can kiss my butt. And I just, I just really love Amanda Waller. She's, 
fantastic character. Uh, like I say, if you're not following Checkmate, she uh, Task Force X and I'm sorry, Suicide Squad and Checkmate are both parts of the same organization. Amanda Waller does help run Checkmate. She's a tw- the queen. And Harry Stein, the guy from earlier, he is the king of Checkmate. Again, that's okay. the whole chess thing. Yeah, so that's that's how Amanda Waller ties into this. Is that she is a part of Checkmate. She runs Suicide Squad directly. And she's queen of checkmate. So that's how those two organizations are tied together. And that's why she shows up with uh, Bronze Tiger and a gal from over at the Peacemaker book. Like it was a miniseries or whatever. We're all excited. And I love the last panel on here. We get some mysterious hand moving the chess pieces on the board. Yeah, and we see the, what was that? Free, uh, 4th of July, 4th of July, I believe it was. We see checks and checkmate, Captain Adam, some Suicide Squad members. On chessboard, I just love yeah. the way since this is checkmate, which is based on chess, they end it with a chess analog, if you will. Makes me hungry for those cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I don't know if anyone's mentioned this yet or not, but I think checkmate would be a good TV show, maybe like a, a counterpoint to Marvel. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming because I was thinking about doing it. <laughs> uh, you guys, uh. you're on to something. I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm glad I thought of it. So, you know, you guys decided to mention this. I heard I would. That's why we have you. It's not a good idea until I say it. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess I'm the last to go. I think we all agree that this would make a good TV show. (laughs) (laughs) And it it could probably be uh, an answer to uh, Knight Rider. How about that? Uh huh. Uh huh. No one saw that coming. That could be the new A team. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think. For me, and I didn't read Checkmate during this time, so some of these characters, I didn't know who they were. Uh, My one really weak criticism is it doesn't really do a lot to explain who the characters are. That kind of leaves you to figure it out. Like Harvey Bullock turned up at one point in time yeah, in the story. I and was like, what? Like, <laughs> I was like, how many bullets here? This is, this is weird, but, uh, but cool. Same thing too. Yeah. I was like, well, I had to go back yeah, no, and her- say, look at his name, go, yep, that's Harvey. And they call him Bullock. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah so I guess part, big part of checkmate. He'd showed up at the tail end of the vigilante series again, hmm. again, just a little background real quick. Paul Kupperberg. Well, Marv Wolfman started the vigilante series. Uh huh. Until about issue 28 or so. And then Jared's buddy, Paul Kupperberg, took over uh, and <laughs> wrote the rest of the series. He did series. not write me back, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's too busy writing the series. Oh, he wrote uh, Vigilante until it ended in issue 50. And then he took Harry Stein from who's over there, Blackthorn, which shows up in this book. Actually, in this book issue, she's only in uh, some video there near the end. Oh, yeah. But Harvey Bullock showed up over there. He retired from Batman or whatever and showed up in Vigilante. So he brought all those characters over and they started Checkmate as kind of an answer to Marvel's agents. Never mind. It was just <laughs> uh, the espionage portion of this universe. <laughs> yeah, that's where Stein came, or, uh, Bullock came from. Yeah, he was big in this book. Well, he's big everywhere, but that's... Really, oh, that's that's really cool. Yeah, overall, it did a really good job of even though I I didn't understand who all the characters were, it did pull me into the story, and I felt like I could I could follow along fairly well. I didn't really get in depth into the protagonist, the knight himself, and try to figure out what's what are his motivations, why he does what he does. But through the course of the of the single issue, I think the one thing that I really that I took away that kind of 
made me view him as a hero is in the first battle with the knight as we talked or with the bishop as we talked about knight really got his tail whooped i mean like he he was the only reason why bishop didn't kill him is because as bishop himself says when he's leaving i'm not paid to kill you i'm paid to kill the guy i just killed so i'm done you know i'm clocking out and you're like oh man that's pretty harsh and for him to 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 immediately just get bandaged up and then go back in and try to to go another round with this guy that just that just trounced him pretty handily that was pretty heroic i think and really kind of spoke spoke to the character a little bit so i i like that part of it uh i did like the espionage the cloak and dagger stuff i thought the headquarters was really cool it seems like they've got they have a really good cast of characters i, I feel like i just kind of scratched the surface Mm-hmm. on them a little bit with this issue but overall i thought the story was was pretty compelling and and um and it, it was pretty intricate like i said i had uh I, I had to make some choices of what i put in the summary because <laughs> there is a lot of stuff going on so overall yeah i thought i thought the story was uh was good and and i it, it makes me want to read more well just a real quick follow-up on a couple of things Jason said there, uh, you probably don't realize it from reading just this one issue, but the knight's not a character like Batman or Superman who's one person. There's a bunch of different knights that we follow throughout the books. <laughs> uh, see, I, I didn't know that. I thought he was like, oh, I guess it's they're like the double O's then. There's like a, a group of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a handful of knights. Like I said, the first couple issues of the series, we, look at, we see a couple different knights. Uh, sometimes if you read a story, you may not, because they don't, make mention that it's a group of people that's this. But yeah, if you do read the book, you do find out that there are a series of people that are knights. It's not just okay. one guy in the costume. There's different people. And usually it's just one night per mission. One night per aim. Uh, but some missions, in fact, when I just got done covering over on Task Force X, they actually had three knights on one mission teaming up. But usually that's yeah, one night per mission. So if you just read one story, one particular storyline, you may not realize that, but yeah, these, there's a bunch of different people that are knights. In fact, okay. it, it'd be a pretty, one it'd of be the a couple of earlier idea. issues. What's that? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah, for, uh, there was a, a backup feature in a couple of issues that actually shows uh, one of the knights, his name's Reed. He started off as a pawn, and they show his progression from becoming a pawn on how he became a knight. So that was a really good story. Oh, that, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. I, I thought the knight was uh, the one guy that was chosen to wear this suit of armor type of thing. But but that yeah, makes that's sense. Yeah, that's what I first saw. But yeah, yeah if you read, you read several of the books, yeah, you'll find out that there's different knights. And as far as the characterizations you were talking about, yeah, I think Paul Kupperberg did a very good job on, on the background characters, if you will. Well, I say in the first couple issues, there was a pawn. His name was Reed. And he actually became a knight. And they kind of followed him a little bit. In some of the other issues, they talk about uh, Harry Stein. He's got kids. They bring his kids story and they show you he's a divorced father. So, I mean, they just, I think Paul did a great job on the characterizations and even the background and the, the supporting personnel, if you will. He did a great job on them also. All right. Hey, thanks for expounding on that. I, I did not pick that up, but, but that's good to know. And I say, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't if you just read this one story because they don't make a, a big way, you know, flag waving banner of, Hey, there's multiple people in this, you know, they, and that's the whole purpose of the knight costume is that you never know, for the most part, there is a female knight they showed earlier on. You can tell she's a female, but for the guy knights, you don't really know. In fact, there's <laughs> quickly delving into checkmate just for a minute. I think it was the first storyline. Uh, they were going against this white supremacist group and these racist people. 
and they're going along and near the you know they finally capture the, the main guy at the end and this guy's going all oh, these black people do this and uh and then i tell yeah yeah you keep talking he pulls his, his costume back a little bit and we see that's a black guy is a nice took this guy down this <laughs> <laughs> crack i was like yeah you know white people's gonna rule the world and you know black people this duh, 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 duh. and he's like yeah you keep talking you stupid he pulls his face like the guy's just face like oh crap <laughs> You're part of white supremacist group? Did he say uh, something witty? Like, it's like, a long story, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to add that like, they could do a pretty cool checkmate story where like one of the enemy organizations, you know, go after all of the, you know, uh, knights and try to kill them all and they could call it Nightfall. Uh-huh. 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 I still like these knights better, but <laughs> <laughs> these knights, these knights. No, don't, don't, don't encourage them. Come on, don't, don't. <laughs> don't encourage them. <laughs> let's do this. All right. Well, let's rein in Jared and let's uh, uh, let's talk about story art for a little bit. And I'll I'll, uh, I'll reverse and let Aaron go first this time and and say oh. what did you think about the story art. <laughs> Well, over again, I, I, I review this book monthly, so I, I love the art in here. As I've talked about earlier, and I talk about my show all the time, the, the way the knights' costumes are designed, I just love the layout of the black and the yellow. I just think it's a great costume. It's very – like they've got weapons hidden throughout his costume, so it's just – I love how they pull him out, the bow staff he can use. And overall, I just love the art in this. It's very, it's very crisp. It's very clean. Uh, Steve Irwin did the pencils on this. Alve did most of the inks on the series uh, up to this point at least. I can't remember if he continues all the way through. It's been a while. But, yeah, I think that between Irwin and Vey, they did a fantastic job. And like I say, my only concern is that, and nothing to this issue, but the next issue goes in the Suicide Squad, which is a bit, it's a bit different art style. I wonder how people, you know, react to the difference in the art styles. But for this issue here, I, I love the art. I can sit here all day and just look at these pages because it's just, because like, we're sitting here talking, I'm just sitting here flipping through the book, just, again, marveling at the way these layouts, uh, the way these are designed. And I love... Even some of the subtle things, as far as character backgrounds, uh, near the end, we see uh, Harvey Bullock sitting there on the phone. And in the background, we see a monitor of him watching some stuff of Blackthorn. And on the walls are some uh, Bogart movie posters. Mm-hmm. We find out in the series that Bullock's a big Bogart fan. So that just, I love the way that carries through. And again, they're not detailed pictures, but again, it's just part of the background. So it doesn't need to be, but it's enough that you can tell what it is. And again, I can't say enough good things about uh, the art, the artist on this book. It just, I love the artwork on this. Yeah, that sounds good. I, I was just, the, the only thing that, that I, that was missing from this comic as a whole is like, I was waiting for him when he hits Bishop with the staff to say something witty, like time for a staff meeting or something like that. But <laughs> that, that, that never happened. These nights, <laughs> these nights. Okay. Well, just so to follow Pat, up on that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll just follow up on that real quick. That's actually part of the story is that the knights aren't supposed to talk very much because, again, it could be anybody in that costume. So well, Jared, you and I are out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, a lot of podcasters would be. But. Streams are shattered. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Part, that's, that's part of the knights thing is that, yeah, they don't talk a whole lot much in the field. That, that way helps preserve their identity, and you never know who you're dealing with in that costume. That, well, that, makes a, that makes a little bit of sense, actually. Yeah. All right. So, Pat, what did you think about the story art? I, I like the art as well, too. I think I agree with Aaron. Um, just looking at it, it's beautiful to look through and, and the layouts and the, the color, the coloring. The night suit is just, to me, that's awesome. 
I think that's really cool. Like I'd like to see that in a live action outfit and maybe a TV series. Yeah, maybe a TV series. Yeah, <laughs> could be. Yeah. Um, could be DC's answer to the Agents of Shield. Yeah. You know, it just might be. It, 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 just, it just could work. Why do you say that, Delvin? <laughs> Delvin doesn't ever have any good ideas. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. I, I I'm really I, just here to laugh at Jared's jokes. That's uh, <laughs> come on, boy. Someone needs to. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I also I think Aaron made a good point too. Is the the background um, pretty well detailed as well too? Uh, little character moment, like you said there for Bullock, that there, nothing needs to be said. It's just drawn there, and you go, oh, he must like that. You know, you get a little more background on him with those Bogart pictures uh, that are hanging on his wall there. Over, I like the the way Bishop is drawn. I like him better with the the cape and all that and the hood on than just the normal suit. So, but sometimes that gets in the way when fighting. You know, you gotta you just gotta take that off and and go and go at it. If you're gonna battle somebody, you take it off and go at it. I go to town. <laughs> Do it live. You, you don't need. You don't need no fancy cape. Yeah, getting in your way. You just, just gotta go at it. Just go. No capes. I like um, <laughs> the knights. Like I said, he, he, his armor gets a little more beefier when he needs it. Probably you know once he had the first round with with bishop, and now that they were expecting it, the second round he puts on that more beefier armor and a shield too. The shield's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I thought the shield was really cool too. Uh, speaking of shield, I think the t- uh, <laughs> very uh, funny. Not die. But, yeah, that's that's my take. I enjoyed the art. What really is cool. dead can never die. <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones reference, folks. <laughs> take your word on that. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. I understood that word. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so that leaves uh, who are we missing? Uh, Delvin. I, I like art. Art is good. <laughs> All right, Delvin, thanks for your thoughts. <laughs> no, um, I, I can add that. You know, you think about some of the artists today, and not all of them. I mean, there, there, there are some that can, you know, script a story that's like largely narrative driven, and it's not just splash page after splash page. And when you have a book like, I mean, I can't speak for all of Checkmate because this is the first Checkmate book that I've read. But if it's going to kind of be, you know, that spy genre, you know, you're going to have to have somebody that can draw a lot of different characters. And, you know, and give you a lot of features on those characters. Uh, it, it's not something that can just be all splashy. Uh, and so with that, like the artists did a, a great job and the art team did a great job of, you know, each character looked clear and distinct. And, you know, that's not an easily done task. And, you know, some artists mess that up where, say, you know, a Captain America can look just like a Hawkeye you know, can look just like an Iron Man, but that wasn't the case here. You know, there are a lot of distinct characters, and all of them uh, were very uh, well uh, defined by the art team. That's a really good point. You just stole one of the things I was going to bring up, but <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, just just say you did it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did. That's what I usually do. Yeah, I, I often get pushed in the background when I have ideas. <laughs> I put the phone on mute and cry. You never hear. <laughs> All right, Jared, let's hear what you got. Blah, blah, blah. Clean lines. Blah, blah, blah. Great shading. Blah, blah, blah. 
got a clean line. <laughs> Great shading. <laughs> Something about cross hatching. I don't I, know. I don't even like. I'm not a big cross hatch guy. But anyways, um, no, the art was good, and it, you guys all all pretty much hit the nail on the head. The big takeaway for me is the art. Art really fits. Sometimes art just really fits with this with the tone of the book. And this, and I know someone mentioned this earlier, but this being an espionage book. Um, you do want crisper, slightly more realistic, more grounded in reality stuff, and it is. It's crisp, clean. It fits the style of the book. The colorists uh, rarely get mentioned and stuff, but the colorists did a good job on this, especially as a late '80s book. A lot of color, a lot of colors in the '80s books were still sort of one solid color, and, and you get a lot of the two tone stuff in here, which I like. Great page layouts. Uh, the artist. Uh, Obviously knows how to do action, but also has that perfect mix of focusing it in reality to ground this book. Because, like we said, it's a more grounded book in the DC universe. So, good job, Steve Irwin. He's fighting crocodiles and laying down pencils, and uh, so he, he did a great job. And then, of course, Alve, the the anchor, very very solid, crisp, crisp, clean, no caffeine. Thumbs up from Jared. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to parrot what a lot of what a lot of you folks have said. I think that. Um, the one thing that I that really stands out to me was the colors. For a dark book, kind of a darker topic, a little more gritty cloak and dagger type feel as we discussed, the colors are really vibrant and superhero-esque without being garish. I mean, it really walks a fine line there, and I think it does it quite well. So to me, that's one of the things that, that stood out. It really popped. The other thing a couple of you have touched on that I'm just going to reiterate is that there are a lot of panels in this book, and yet they still somehow – the team of Erwin, Vey, and uh, Faraday seem to somehow make this – make it work. They put a lot of detail into it. There was a lot of um, – the action scenes were, were very dynamic. There's a lot of detail in each panel. So I, I think that they really deserve a uh, round of applause for just putting together such a great such a great artistic effort behind Cooper Cooperberg's scripts. So for me, I, I thought the, the art was just fantastic. And I will leave it at that because I think you guys covered everything else. One thing real quick, this is kind of disappointing. Uh-huh. To me, anyways, is that we you know talked about how great Irwin did on the art on this, but when you think about you know talk ask people who your you know favorite artist is, Steve Irwin isn't a name you hear very often. So I just think he doesn't get enough credits for the work he you know the kind of work he does. I think it's he does he's a great artist, but yeah, I mean I think that's that's the that could be the case for mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of good artists. I mean Jared and I have often talked about in the Batman world when when you say Batman artists. I think for him as well as me, Norm Brayfogle is one of the guys that we thought did just such an outstanding job, but not necessarily somebody that that jumps to the head of the pack when you think of a Batman artist, for example. And you guys talked about splash pages a little bit, how some artists make everything like a splash page. And and a little blasphemy here, but I think Todd McFarlane was kind of guilty of that during the Spider-Man days. You know, it would take six issues to tell a four issue story because everything had to be as Aaron got knocked off yeah oh, there, oh again sorry about that I lost my connection okay. oh, I'm back so that's who really killed Kennedy who's got questions Aaron yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. So Aaron, I was just saying that, that, that uh, I agree with you that, uh, and that's kind of a sad story through, through a lot of comics is that, that sometimes some of the great artists are great because they're subdued. They, they're able to, to service the story. Not everything has to be an action splash page. It's exactly the good news is though. I've noticed a lot more guys like getting there do like, like, um, like you mentioned, Jason, like when we were kids, we were Brayfogle kids, and every other kid was like, who? Yeah, Brayfogle is getting love now. Like yeah. people are respecting, and, and Brayfogle's like really climbed the ladder of respect. And, you know, maybe that'll happen for Steve Irwin as well. Sometimes it just takes time for people to take note, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure, like, he has like artwork, and like if somebody criticizes it, then like, you know, people put like a Bray emoji. It's like the Bray Hive. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I'll be here for the podcast. You're straight up idiot. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay. On that note, so stupid. <laughs> the fact that you're proud of it is what sells it. <laughs> oh my goodness! This artwork is the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, maybe I'm a little punchy. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all <going>. right. <laughs> let's put this show back on the yeah, rails. Let's, let's put the show back on the rails. So I, I, I'm going to ask Aaron this question since he is obviously the biggest Checkmate fan here. We're going to give him first crack at this. So out of this issue, Aaron, if you had to pick one page of interior art that the artist could sign and give you to hang up on your wall, what page would it be? That's a tough call. As we talked about, it's a great artwork throughout. There's no real big splash pages for something like that. But overall, if I had to pick one page, and again, unfortunately, these books aren't, these pages aren't numbered. But the page right before the Aquaman ad, where the knight's getting shot at, and he, he shoots his, his uh, or mm-hmm. I guess he's uh, shooting his bow staff into the store behind the uh, behind Bishop, and the whole thing collapses on him, and then Bishop just stands up. Oh, yeah, just kind of, cool. yeah. I just love this page. <laughs> so that, that would be my choice if I if I could have Steve and they sign any page for me, it'd be that one there. All right, Delvin, since you made the last really good joke, you can go next. Which page do you want? <laughs> That's so subjective. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> no, no, I um, I like the uh, opening flash page uh, where uh, the knight is jumping through the window or the windshield. Uh like to go after the guy. I think that that's a, that's pretty cool. And it, and it's a uh, good action sequence that leads into the rest of the book. So that would be my, uh, that'd be the one I'd want. Well, that's two pages, Delvin. So do you want his head and arms or his butt and legs? <laughs> 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 yeah, yes, fair enough. <clears throat> I mean, and uh, ow. No, I'm all man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Pat, it's your book. Which one would you take? Well, I, I was I liked the one Delvin chose as well too. Um, that was gonna that, be mine too. Yeah, that's a great shot. Uh, the other my my runner up is the the page before the one Aaron chose, where he's continuing to fight Bishop in the night with the night costume. I think I like that shield. That shield just really stands out to me for some reason. It's really cool. In fact, somebody should make a TV show with the checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Jared, Jared, what's 
What's your favorite splash page? Um, <laughs> or what's your favorite page? I, 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 my spider sense originally, I was going to say the two page through the windshield, but then I'm a purist and I was like, that, that's technically two pages, not a cheater. So I'm going with the, <laughs> I'm going with the page. It's funny because Aaron picked the page where, Ch- you know, he blew up the thing and, and, and Bishop went, oh, I got up and then, and then Pat picked the page before that with the, all the fight going on. I'm going to pick the page before that. Uh, where um, uh, Knight comes down from the helicopter, this really cool motion action shot on the top right as the helicopter's crashing, and he's like rolling, and he's popping up, and they got him in a great pose. I love the gleaming effect they do off of his arm, and then he raises up that rifle just as uh, Bishop's crunching down the the fence. Just a lot of really cool, almost Bray Fogle-esque action there. Doing action from panel to panel and making it make sense to the reader is not something every penciler can do. Like Jason was saying, McFarlane, I mean, he's a great artist, but he doesn't, it's his, his action doesn't really flow from panel to panel. It's more like spectacle pieces. I love the flow of the action here. Nobody does it better than Bray Fogle, but Steve Irwin did a good job of it here. Okay. I'm going to take that Aquavan ad. Yeah. All right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, seriously. No, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one, Jared. I like that one as well. I think uh, if I took one from the book, I do like that Aquaman ad actually. But if I <laughs> if I took one for the book for much of the same reasons that Jared talked about, I'd take the one just after the Aquaman ad, where it ends with the uh, Bishop firing the the flamethrower and Golden Knight diving out of the way. I think that that's a mm-hmm. that's a pretty good action piece you've got you've got a, a a good set piece where they're they're just kind of going back and forth of the bishop grabbing uh knight knight smacking him in the head with that staff bishop trying to punch him knight using his shield uh diving out of the way of the of the flamethrower just a lot of action in that that page i, I think that would be my my choice cool good one so rolling this thing along Let's talk about memories. I know my memory. I'll, I'll go last, of course. I'll say, um, let's let Aaron go again, because this is obviously his wheelhouse right here. What kind of memories does this bring back to you, Aaron? Uh, this particular issue itself, I don't have a lot of memories of this particular issue, but then t- this leads off the, the Yanis directive, some people pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> I really, that's one when I think about Checkmate, Airstorm, and all that. That's one of the. Uh, storylines that jumps out at me. I remember that again, I'm going to be covering this probably the next six months over on my shows. So I can't wait to get to that to cover this whole storyline. But the the entire storyline is one thing that really jumps out at me. And I remember, remember buying these things. I buying these off the stand when they came out and I remember, okay, where's this one going? Okay. This one's going to suicide squad. Okay. This one goes in the fire store. All right. You know, so I'm, and again, I was buying all these books anyway. So it's not like I had to hunt for it because I was already at this point, I found a comic shop and I had a pull list and funny little thing. Most people had a, a bag that he put the comics in. I bought so many comics there. He had a, a small box. He put mine in. So I'd put <laughs> her, yeah, have these all pull. I'd go pull them and read them. So I just, this the story. This, the storyline itself is my memory on this. Just fantastic storyline from my memory. We'll find Very out cool. in a couple months here. If it holds up. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll look forward to that, to, to hear that. And, you know, how, how the story progresses here. Interest, very interested in the story. So, so Jared, what about you? How, what, what kind of memories for you? I'm going to wager that our memories are fairly similar since we were living in the same household in some, of '89. Taylor did the checkmate. I obviously don't have any memories of it because I didn't. I didn't read the checkmate at the time. Uh, but it definitely 
you know, brings to mind that era, that 1989 era. We were living in Germany. The only place we could buy comics was the Stars and Stripes bookstore. Yep. In my, in my mind, I can still smell how it smells when you go in. I can still see the layout of it perfectly. I know exactly where to go for comics. Um, so that Stars and Stripes bookstore in uh-huh. Fulda, Germany, uh, jumps out. I don't even know if Stars and Stripes was carrying Checkmate. I don't remember seeing it on the shelves. Um, I don't either. But I tell you what it did bring up, completely unrelated to, to today's show, although it's comic book related. At this time, they were really carrying a lot of those first comics, Nexus, Grimjack, Badger. Oh, yeah, books, yeah, that's right. And Jason I and I were, were, were picking those up. I'm a big Grimjack guy. I like Nexus. Jason was big on Badger. Um, so that, this brings back that era feel to me. We're living in Germany. It's it's the fall of the, the wall is upon us. Um, it was really a cool time to be there. And unfortunately, Checkmate wasn't a part of it, but that's that's where it takes me back to, this era of comics. Nice walk down memory lane. What about you, Pat? Um, yeah, Checkmate wasn't in my wheelhouse at the time, but it was memory-wise, I would be when I started kind of getting to a comic shop at that time where I could ride my bike across town, over the hill, through the woods, just to get to my comic <laughs> shop and be able to pick things out. I didn't. I don't think at this time I started a box because I didn't know you could do that back then where you could say, hey, put me on the list and I'll you know, do my poll list. I was still getting new to it. Man, if I would have saw this on the shelf, if I could go back to my time now and say, hey, pick that up, I would I'd, I'd pick this up. I wish I would have. I guess it's a uh, it's a, a loss a memory that <laughs> uh, lost chances, yeah, lost, lost opportunities. Chances, yeah. Well, the good news is a checkmate, and I'm not bagging on it at all, so don't get mad at anything, Aaron. It, it it's never been a huge pop of a book. So the good news is, like you said, back issue bins should be there. Yeah. You should be able to fill a lot of this yeah. in relatively cheap, and it's good. So there's nothing better than be buying fan. cheap stuff in a back issue I'd bin that's just, good. I'd be a I'd be offended by that comment, but unfortunately, it's true. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a great book, great writing, great art. I think it did fall below a lot of people's radar. So, yeah, this isn't some book that you're gonna, you know, have to pay a hundred bucks an issue for. Yeah, I mean, it's good though. It's, it's worth you lucky for twenty bucks. That it is. It, it's it was a really good story. You got you you got a quality story and some great art in there for and and you're right. You could probably pull it from a quarter bin pretty easy. All right, Delvin, what are your thoughts? Man, thinking about May 1989, of course, like I, you know, I already, already mentioned, hadn't been reading um, uh, Checkmate, and um, I, was, I found this website where I saw the first or what uh, Amazing Spider-Man book was out at the time, and it was Amazing Spidey 315. So I wasn't even collecting the book; I was still a couple of years away from that. So, like, what I would do, like, once I found out about you know comic book, like I I go to the grocery store with my mom, and while she was doing the grocery shopping, uh, there was you know there were just loads and loads of comic books, and I would sit there and I would read every single one of them. You know, like I mean, so like pick up, you know, I, there, so there are so many one offs that I read or that was a part of a storyline that I didn't even realize it. You know, and just because all of it, you know, from the art, from, you know, just the characters, all of it was just, you know, was super cool to me. And, you know, so when I think about, you know, times like that, it was just like how pure it was for me then to just go and sit at a grocery store and, and read comic books. And, you know, nobody, you know, would bother you because it was just, you know, cool for that. A kid was sitting there quietly reading and not bothering anybody. So. 
that'd be you know my memory. Well, that's a that's a pretty fond memory, actually. I mean, my my memory of grocery store comic racks is from when Jared and I tipped one, and Dad beat the crap out of us. <laughs> <laughs> I vaguely remember that. <laughs> <laughs> we got to fighting over the spinny because I wanted to spin it one way and you were trying to spin it. <laughs> we yanked it right out of the. We yanked it right out of the base. Yeah, no, I remember that. I'm, and they tipped over and then they, sp- they sprawled like for miles. Like I know, just all went down the fruit and vegetable lane. <laughs> just and I remember the dead silence and then the the pitter patter of Dad's running footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knew what was up. Yeah, like people in the store, are like, man, we should give these kids some help. And your dad was like, oh, I'm about to give them some help. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, you can do that and get away with it. <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah. Well, I guess that just leaves me and my memory. And I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna tell a story that I think I might have already told on one of these episodes, but I'm gonna tell it again because it's checkmate related. So uh, early 2000s-ish, around 2009, 2010 time frame, Greg Rucka and Eric Troutman are writing the new Checkmate. I don't know if you guys read that. (laughs) Yeah. But they're trying to come up with a a new villainous organization. And and so – they come up with the Albrick Institute, named after named after uh, us Albrechts. So, so if you want to if you want to check out Batman saying our name, check out Checkmate number twenty four. It's there. Yep, yep. I still so own a copy of that. Which is shameful. I need to get on cool. eBay now. It's got my name in it. <laughs> so, uh, so anytime that I see the name Williams in a comic book, I'm going to say it's about me. <laughs> well, I think, uh, but the Albrick was was actually named after us. Eric, Eric, Eric asked if he could use uh, use our name. That's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. So, so that's uh, that's our claim to fame. Isn't Wonder think, Man a Williams? Think, what's that? Isn't Wonder yeah, Man a Williams? He's Simon yeah. Williams. There you that's go. Simon Williams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's Billy D. Williams. That's Work. that's true. He's, he's he's real life. He's not he's not a comic book character. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, he is. I'm I met him. He's kind of a comic. <laughs> yeah, he's actually bold. <laughs> <laughs> he's bold. Yeah. Oh man. Sorry, Billy D. Uh, you shouldn't have showed up drunk and late to your your signing though. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get. He's just not pulling the punches today. Boy. Look, if, 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 if you drank Coke 45, you'd be hungover too. Yeah. At 10 o'clock in the morning? I'm doing know. it right now. <laughs> Works every time. <laughs> it's some serious stuff, dude. You don't mess it's around like, with Coke. No, come on. That's Two fists in my 40s. Dude. Here we go. Boy. <laughs> He was a pro when he got there, though. Pop two aspirins, start signing stuff. See, there you go. <laughs> well, I think if, uh, he's doing it live, y'all. Yeah, I'm doing it live. I'm doing it live. I think with that, why don't we roll into some feedback that we had gotten, um, Jared? If you want to go into the Twitter results. Oh, we're on Twitter. The tweets, the tweets, and the twitters. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're doing a new segment called Jared's Twitter Results. Go ahead and put a soundbite in there somewhere. Uh, tweets. There you go. Now you don't Just have to do, do a couple howler monkeys. It's the same thing. <laughs> well. 
<laughs> I uh, I did a couple things on on Twitter. I just uh, one of the things I did was was toss out there. You know, give us your thoughts on on the the issue, overall thoughts, feelings, whatever's you may have on Checkmate Numero Fifteen. Mm-hmm. And wait for it. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Paul Kupperberg himself actually liked the uh, the tweet, and then I responded and said thanks for the like like paul if you have any questions about checkmate let us know and let us know if you want to join the recording he didn't see the humor in it never wrote back okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> um are we talking about, oh uh, so close yeah, I know, you, right? you, you, you should stick the bray hive on them anyways uh are we talking about bob buster's thoughts on daredevil yeah. Uh, my friend and, and writer Brett Brooks uh, commented that, uh, yes, he does want to be part of our comments section. Oh, okay. so that's what we got out of Brett. <laughs> Thanks, Brett, for being on. All right, Brett. He said, yes, I do want to be part of comic section. Is this a good comment? I don't know almost nothing about comics, which I know is crap. Brett used to work. You know Comic Shop News? Remember that little newsprint newspaper? Hey, Brett yeah. worked there for years. <laughs> Brett was big on the uh, big in Comic Shop News. Uh, Dave Collins, known as Old Ben One on Twitter, said, uh, I see Tom Tom Lyle at Heroes Con. I always get him to sign uh, one of his books, and he always gets a kick out of seeing the Checkmate book. So that's cool. That's cool from uh, Dave Collins giving us some insight there. He also said, uh, Dave Collins uh, also said that that's one of his favorite Starman issues. I'm um, one of the few people who love that title from beginning to end. So there's a connection for you, Aaron, you and Dave Collins. He's uh, at Old Ben number one on Twitter. You guys need to become friends. Yes, we do. And, yep. and then did. Delvin and I. Oh, oh I was going to say, I did uh, point him your way, Aaron. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then Delvin and I's uh, mutual Auburn friend, Josh, uh, United States Marine Corps type. Uh, he just said Daredevil on Ramita Jr. for the win, looking at the comic book covers. So, And speaking of the covers, let me scroll over to our Twitter poll on I ran all four covers that we covered uh, this time around. Had them pick their favorites, and it was a tight, tight race on the Twitter poll. Mm. Uh, the, la- the last place cover of the four was the Starman cover, getting 16% of the vote. But it, this, I kind of like that cover. These are small margins. I'm not, even though I say it's last place, it's no one got overwhelmed. Starman got 16% of the vote. Checkmate came in third at 21% of the vote. Uh, Transformers came in second at 31%, and Daredevil won win it at 32%, beating Transformers by 1% of the vote. Wow. Ooh. So, Daredevil was our champion of covers for this episode. Uh, just what do you guys think? I, I think the Starman Starman wins yeah, it for me. All good. They're all like I think they're all in the same league. And yeah, the Checkmate ones are still pretty Checkmate's tight. Checkmate's good. Tra- as an artist, look, I I, I res- fully respect anyone who draws Transformers because drawing robots is what the French call lay. Uh, it, is, <laughs> it is not easy. Um, so I tip my. I don't think we need a translator for that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Use the Google Translate. <laughs> Over on Facebook, I also posted looking for comments or anything. The most comment person was Aaron. Uh, so I'm not going to read his because he's here. <laughs> we, can, we should do it play by play in our own voices as we talked back and forth. But. Uh, and then uh, Clinton Robinson commented, he said, uh, May of 1989 was slightly slightly before he dove headlong into comics. And I said, you went right into the deep end, didn't you? He said, there's no shallow parts of a long box. And that's the most <laughs> profound thing I've heard in a long box. I time. like that. Yeah. I like that. No shallow parts in a long box. <laughs> that's good. So, uh, anything else to add about Checkmate? 
Great series. Go check it out. Yep, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think uh, I'm just going to plug your show here, Aaron, um, at this point. If you want to know more about Checkmate, again, this is what kind of got me into. Aaron had gotten me into wanting to figure out Checkmate, uh, learn more about him. And so as I was going through some backbends, I'd see it and I'd pull it out uh, just to kind of read along with him and learn more. It's very interesting, very intriguing now, too, like you guys said, uh, the older me, the younger me. I think if, if somebody would have told me or given an ad in the G.I. Joe and said, hey, this is kind of like G.I. Joe, where you got different guys and they're, you know, I, I would have checked it out back then. But mm-hmm. yeah. check out Aaron's, it's the Task Force X Suicide Squad yes. and Checkmate show, right? You, yeah, it's called Task Force X, where I cover Suicide Squad and Checkmate. Check it out. It's a very good show. I think with that, then let's uh, bring it this part to the end of the show. Uh, you got a comment or question? I uh, want to be a part of the Twitter tweets and polls that Jarrett does, and we do. Uh, send us. Uh, you can also uh, send us a comment or question at contact at Longbox Crusade email address or on the longboxcrusade.com website. You can make a comment on Twitter or on the Facebook page as well. Uh, with that, we'll be right back. secret governmental organization operating behind the scenes. Task Force X. Task Force X is an off-the-books government strike team made up of convicts with no hope for release, serving as expendable agents for impossible missions. Succeed, and I'll shave time off your sentences. If we don't. You'll be dead. Any other stupid questions? The Suicide Squad, ran by Amanda Waller. I'm Amanda Waller. I'm here to indoctrinate you convicts into our special forces. And there's Checkmate, ran by Harry Stein. This is the tales of DC Comics, Suicide Squad, and Checkmate. Mostly monthly from Headspeaks. Available on iTunes under Task Force X and under Headcasts over at headspeaks.com. We can also be found on Facebook and Google Plus under Task Force X. Task Force X. Check it out. Or you'll answer to the wall. Nobody screws the wall! Welcome back from the break. Let's continue on with this show. Now it's time to scan through the featured issue of Checkmate number 15 for the top ads that stand out to us. In a segment called Add It Up. So let's begin with the ads that stand out to us. Uh, let's start with Jason. What ad did you find interesting in this issue? Well, the one that I really liked was the, um, which was actually an ad for another DC book, was the killer bio of uh, Lex Luthor. Yes. Uh, I, ha- I have that book, and it is outstanding. Really? I've never seen that book. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I love the ad, though. I just want to point out, too, I know it's not my turn, but they're almost exclusively house ads in this book. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I noticed that, too. I was, I'm going to say that there wasn't a, not a lot to choose from, uh, you know, odd, odd-looking ads or, you know, just... So, Jason, that book, uh-huh. which uh-huh. is cool that you have it. I've never laid eyes on one. Is it prose or comic style? Comic style. 
Okay, oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah, it's really good. Delvin, it was, that was a great book. I enjoyed that. Oh. Delvin, how about you? What ad stands out to you? The Aquaman ad pinged uh, my inner uh, sarcasm because it's like Atlantis Atlantis is being destroyed, and there is only one man who can save it. Duh. <laughs> 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 who else is coming to save Atlantis? No, no one knows. <laughs> It better be Aquaman. That's like his only job. <laughs> you know, I didn't look at it that way, but you're I, right. I like how he's getting jacked in the face in his own ad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not something you see a lot. Like the main guy in the ad just getting jacked in the face. <laughs> oh man, um, you know, and I don't know. May, maybe the original DC Universe's version of Aquaman. He was kind of a jerk, so he had it coming. You know, he, he probably said he probably said something to the guy like, "Yeah, your your wife's a hot piece of," ass. and then he's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Or would it be would it be piece of fin down there?" Oh, <laughs> no, piece of tail. There you go. Piece oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> oh, man. I did know it's, it's written by Keith Giffen, uh, who's who's often partners with my best friend, J.M.D. Mateus. Mm, yes. But Keith Giffen's a good writer. And Kurt Swan on the pencils. I mean, he's got some and stuff. LV. And, and, and Alve. Alve. Cool. He's got a, got a winning lineup. Yeah. And Robert Lord Fleming, and who no one knows who that is. Ian Fleming's uh Lesser known brother. <laughs> Funny story. Ian Fleming actually did have a brother who was a more successful writer than Ian was before Ian's uh, James Bond novels came out. In fact, his older brother was a worldwide known name, but after the James Bond novels hit, his brother disappeared forever, which is probably what's going to happen to me eventually. Jason's going to disappear me forever, I think. (laughs) Couldn't happen any sooner. (laughs) I've tried and I've tried. He just keeps popping back up. (laughs) Jason, who? (laughs) Hello? Is it (laughs) looking for? I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> Man, we haven't even gotten song yet. I can see it in your smile. <laughs> You're all I ever wanted. My arms are open wide. I should know just what to say. And you know just what to do. And I want to tell you so much. Is someone loving you? <laughs> and we haven't even gotten yeah. the songs. Oh, you know what my favorite part of this episode is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll get well, there. Let's get there. Let's get there. Let's get to Aaron. Yeah, let's Aaron, get there. Uh, what's your favorite? Well, I'm going to keep following that along in the book, and I'll go for the next one, uh, the Action Comics Annual Number 2. Uh, yes. Yes. I love that. That looks good. Cool. a Superman in that barbarian type yeah, cape barbarian. wrapped around him as a loincloth, if you will. Mm-hmm. Superman Unchained. His quest is over. Now a new phase begins for Superman. (laughs) And he's not getting, he did not smart off Sunday. Yes. In fact, he's already to punch somebody in the face, it looks like. (laughs) Kind of reminds me of Hercules. Like, there's a little bit. Like, picturing the the Hercules comic, like him in the stands like that. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's very Planet Hulkish, many years before Planet Hulk. Was a thing. This was part of the Superman Exile storyline, where Superman exiled himself from Earth. Oh, okay. 
Very have, plentiful. Anybody <laughs> else re- has anybody else read that one? Uh uh-uh. uh. No, I haven't. I have not. But that's a that's a heck of a list of, of talented names down there at the bottom. There is, yeah. Brett Brading. Yep. Brading Mike Minolia. Minolia. Jerry Ordway. George nice. Perez. John Some Stephen. hack named George Perez, yeah. <laughs> Roger Stern and Kurt Swan. Good team. Fifty four is it sixty four pages in standard format. Good pick. Good pick. Uh let's go to Jared. What's you what's All right. for you? I think I found the only non-house ad that jumped out at me, and it was the, kill, the killer debut album for Bullet Boys. Uh-huh. I think we all remember that and their their hit song "Smooth Up," oh. right? Smooth right? up, you know. Remember Bullet Boys. I'm being so. sarcastic because I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like the way that the guy in the album cover, like the guy who's closest to the camera, even he looks like he didn't know he was in Bullet Boys. Like he's like, looking at the camera like, <laughs> like he got surprised. He just woke up. Like, what? Got, like the what? guy in the back, he looks like he wants to fight the guy who doesn't know he's in Bullet Boys in the front. And I might want to fight him too because he's got like a bandana on his boot and a, and a, and a, bizarre haircut yeah it's 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 i've never heard of them you've never heard of bullet boys no and the only reason i know about them is because they were in like this ad was in a ton of comics at this time i'm like i've never heard but then again factor in jason and i were living in germany so our access to pop culture stuff was limited so if it was popular here in the u.s i apologize bullet boys uh but if i'm right and no one else has ever heard of them then suck it bullet boys I think Are I can take, like a I rock can take all four of them. Oh, here. That, oh, it looks, bullet Boys? Yeah. Like but, all right. I was going to choose my next is Bullet Boys. I was choosing the Bullet Boys. Ha-ha. <laughs> I got you so, again. So I know <laughs> I know the song. It's from 1989. They had their single song called Smooth Up In Ya. That was the... Wait, how's it go again? <laughs> Smooth Up In Ya. All right. Now sing the Chinese version. <laughs> yeah, never heard of it. I don't know, that one. but uh, it reached number it re- on the U.S. Hot number one. It reached number seventy-one. Uh, U.S. Main Rock. It was the twenty-third song in nineteen eighty-nine. Is number seventy-one with a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hair band, you know, it says. <laughs> Good hair band. Don't say it's as good a hair band as any because obviously <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> I still want to fight the guy in the back. He looks like he wants to come at me. Uh, and the, and their album, this album peaked uh, number thirty four on the Billboard two hundred. So it did make it number one. I'm, I'm shocked. Uh, 
I, I like that song. It wasn't a bad song. I can't wait. Uh, the first time I'm going to hear it is when you put this episode together and you splice it in. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. That's what I'm waiting for, too. Smooth <laughs> 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 You know it. It's, it's I just know the way you're saying. I'm just mimicking you, Vat. Yeah. I, I sing it just perfectly, just like the band does. You know, I take off my shirt and I sing it. I'm nice. <laughs> you you, you got to commit. You, you Tie a band so glad I'm not there. <laughs> good, good thing we're not to have the camera on right now. So. The guy on the far right in the picture looks like he's debating on whether or not he wants to be in the band. Like, he's like, um... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I need another ring on my finger. <laughs> he looks like the Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I guess that was both of ours. I stole your thunder like I... Oh, no, that's okay. Um, so if you guys, if anybody's got any comments or uh, other interesting ads, you want to uh, leave us a comment on these ads, go ahead and you can let us know at uh, contact at longboxcrusade.com or comment on the Facebook page. Let's continue on now with the next section called... Way back in time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? May 1989. Got it. Well... Let's get into the some news for you. Some major news in this time was May 1st, 135-acre Disney's MGM studio officially opens to the public. Sweet. Sweet. I'm on May 4th. NASA launches the Magellan mission to Venus from the Kennedy Space Center, which is, of course, in Florida. So, Florida, man. The MGM Studios, the NASA launch, lots yeah. going on in Florida. And then just a day later, Mike Tyson gets his second speeding ticket for drag racing in Albany, New York. Which is patently ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my Tyson-related news, I'm best friends. Um, never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I can beat Mike Tyson. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm best friends with the Vander Maybe no. a drag race. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Pat. With the I hear you, Pat. Preference. That's right. I'm with it. That's the first friend. My, my I, I, best friend, uh, Vander Holyfield, uh, he got his ear bit by Mike Tyson. I have pictures, pictures to prove that Vander Holyfield. Bitten off. <laughs> Which is funny because after I posted that picture, I, I got to meet a vendor recently. Everybody kept texting me and asking me, what did his ear look like? And my standard, I, did, I did. That's what I wanted. And my standard answer was, I send you the answer too, Jason. It delicious. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of people who like to get in fights and beat downs, who's got the next? Uh... Uh, on May 5th, the same day. Oh, Mike Tyson's beating Chris Brown, American R&B singer, was born in Tappanock. Tappahannock? Tappanock, whatever. Virginia. <laughs> Tappanock? Tappanock. He was born in Virginia. All we need to know. That he likes fighting. Came out, the doctor slapped him, he slapped his mother. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, the show's getting dirty. <laughs> I oh. let that thing come up from my shirt here. Gracie. <laughs> uh, oh, my turn. Yep. Uh, May 11th, the 217th and final episode of TV Soap Dynasty is aired. Mm. And I'm sure Delvin, you were crying at that time. 
No, I was more of a Falcon Crest guy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> hey, I hear you. I like that too. <laughs> and Pat's not joking. <laughs> I can't tell by oh, the enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, too much enthusiasm. I'm going to start yeah. a Falcon Crest. Starting the Falcon Crest podcast. Podcast. Me and Delvin. <laughs> Falcon Crest rewatch. He's got some defiance in his voice too. Like you dare somebody to yeah. challenge. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Talk to us about Falcon Crest. Uh, well, on that same day of May, May 11th, uh, U.S. President George H.W. Bush uh, ordered nearly 2,000 troops to Panama. Yeah, we're running a little bit hot tonight. I can barely see the road from the heat coming up. Reach down between my legs. Bring Noriega back. Got next. That was my inter- entertainment tonight oh, intro. On May 12th, Entertainment Tonight makes its 2,000th TV performance. Wow. Ooh. That's a lot of entertainment. That is a lot of entertainment. Over a lot of nights, yep. And then two days later, on May 14th, we got the final TV episode of Family Ties airing on NBC with a 36 million audience. For a million years And I bet we'll be together For a million more Oh, it's like I started breathing On the night we kissed And I can't remember What I ever did before What would we do, baby Without us What would we do, baby Show, man. I used show. to like that show. Good show. Good. I was gonna make a joke about it, but I ain't gonna make a joke about family ties. That was uh, that was class act all the way. Mm-hmm. Definitely a good show. <laughs> on the same day, another TV show, Moonlighting, which is a TV crime drama, last airs on ABC. I like that show too. I, I did too. That. Yeah, I like that. That was uh, Bruce Willis. The last guy. season or so wasn't good. But and Sybil and Sybil yes. Shepherd. Yeah. Yes. Was, I I didn't watch it regularly, but I. Apparently, it was one of those shows that, you know, there's that whole sexual tension going on. But once they hooked up, everyone was like, eh, yep. I'm over <laughs> it. Yep. Yep. 
Yep, that's pretty that much in, it. That was in season three, and I know this because I bought all my moonlighting seasons at a yard sale, and they had one through three. And that was the telltale sign. <laughs> this is where you stop. <laughs> did, did you guys know that Bruce Willis made an album? Yes. The yes. The Return of Bruno. Yeah, The Return of Bruno. That's right. I got that. How is it a return if it's only one album? I got that on cassette. I got the Bullet Boys. Ah. I'm kidding. Nobody does. We will we will move on on uh, May seventeenth, the longest cab ride ever. Fourteen thousand miles cost sixteen thousand dollars. I a car. Doing some quick math, that's five dollars a mile. <laughs> so stupid. When I looked this up, it didn't say who or what, so I kind of find that intriguing. They could have bought a car. <laughs> <laughs> Nice car in 1989 dollars too. Yeah, car, gas, and everything. On May 19th, Sue Ellen's Lindy Gray or Linda Gray last appearance on the TV show Soap Dallas. Go in the shower. Go in that shower. Did you read that one, Pat? Because that means I'm next. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Also, May 19th, Do the Right Thing, film directed by Spike Lee, starring Danny Aieo and Ossie Davis, premieres at the Cannes Film Festival. And it did pretty darn well. Yeah. Yes, sir. 20 D batteries. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next day, on May 20th, Toonses the Cat takes the wheel on Saturday Night Live. The The cat can drive a car. Still as funny as the Sean Connery Jeopardy, but, but still. <laughs> I'll take famous <laughs> for <a> thousand. <laughs> <laughs> titles, Mr. Connery. Damn. <laughs> take the racist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ursula Andrews. What? <laughs> Marshall Andrews, Catherine Deneuve, and Charo twice. <laughs> famous That's flicks. Famous flicks, Mr. Connor. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> or foreign flicks. That's what it was. Oh, foreign no, flicks. Foreign flicks. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Moving on. All right. We can do Doing it live. Uh, <laughs> just quick correction. I did the, redid the math there, Delvin, and it's actually $1.14 a mile. Oh yeah, okay. yeah right. So Just to bring out some before before our listener <laughs> rings over the cold. <laughs> Delvin yeah. went to Auburn. That's a hey hey. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but anyways, the same Look. day as. Yeah. Wait, I, I mean, I just I have to defend myself. I graduated with a four point six eight grade point average. So I mean, there. I hope that you feel really embarrassed now, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> Much harder than me. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyways, on May twentieth, the same day that Toons the Cat was coming out, uh, Walter McCornell, fifty-seven, is the oldest to reach twenty-seven thousand feet of Mount Everest top. Why? Because <laughs> it was there. It was there. Exactly. Good job. <laughs> See, we we don't have, we don't have anything. We don't have anything like this on the dark web. I'm just saying. <laughs> and the that, sad that, thing is, that's why you we're know here that to educate you. 
<laughs> I, I think you're assuming that Walter McConnell's white. We don't know he's white. Yeah, okay, we, yeah, he's probably. That's, that's, that's a white name. That's a white name doing, doing a lot white of white things. stuff, man. That's not only a white person who's stupid enough to walk that far. Just climb the top of a mountain. Well, that's down. the thing. You know, there's there's a Sherpa that's been up there like seven times with these expeditions. It's like, yep, good job. Good job. <laughs> yeah. like my, Carried my, my all his stuff. My, my name is Al. Are you going to put me in the record book? Uh, yeah, sure I am. Sure. Al. You don't read books, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Hey, who got May the next 20, one? That's a good one. May 24th, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, directed by Steven Spielberg and produced by George Lucas, premieres. I, I think that's a pretty you know little-known film. I don't mm-hmm. think much came of it. Not much at all. <laughs> that was an indie we, art piece. <laughs> get it, get it, indie uh, art piece. Uh, <laughs> like if you bought a ticket to do the right thing, you they'd let you just stay and watch Indiana Jones and Last. Yeah, just, just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that same day, uh, May twenty fourth, Weird Al Yankovic records his UHF soundtrack. Awesome, uh, awesome! I just introduced my son to UHF. Um, uh, yeah, I found it at a at a Christian mission or a Salvation Army on DVD about like two weeks ago. I brought it home and I said, Jordan, you're going to love this. And I was right. <laughs> All kids age 11 to my age love Weird 50. <laughs> yeah, Weird Al. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's going to be at Rose City Comic Con. There you go. Cool. UHF, man. That was a fun all right, on May 25th. A year or so ago, I went and watched him in concert. <laughs> oh, that would have been... I want to see him. I'd like to see him. Yeah, I, 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 my be, wife. I bet that'd be a fun show. Yeah, fun he's there. He's, he's going to be there. He tolerates talking. him. Great. Yeah, he was, he was fantastic. Great show. Anyway, sorry about that. Go ahead. That's quite all right. I'm Man, That's everybody loves Weird Al. May 25th, Mikhail Gorbachev elected executive president in Soviet Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess he got elected executive president. And I have actually read his book, his book, Perestroika, which is, which is funny because it's a it's about a 200 page book. And it goes over an idea that takes about four pages. And somehow he fluffed that thing out to 200 pages. Because <laughs> I was like, damn, he keeps saying the same things. Over that's, that, sounds, that sounds like somebody who had a Russian doctorate to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's trying to get his PhD. <laughs> yeah, it was fluffed the heck up, but I did read it, the whole thing. And uh, yeah, basically, it's it's a long book that says we don't really believe in capitalism, but we're going to try capitalism. They're going to try it anyway. That's pretty much what it says. It's pretty. It's an entertaining read to read this this many years removed from that time frame. Anyway, yard sale find, and I read it at work. Anyway, moving on. There you go. All right. I guess I'm up next. And uh, same day, May 25th again, uh, Weird Al Yankovic records, she drives like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Another another great Weird Al. I I love that. (laughs) Uh, Was that you, Pat? Who read that one? Uh, I think Aaron's next. Aaron's next. Aaron's next. Oh, that's me. Um, On May 26th, (laughs) American Radio Broadcasters broadcasters go silent for 30 seconds at 7.42 a.m. to honor the radio industry. Either that or three station identification. 
<laughs> Commercial for Enrique's Taco Stand. <laughs> uh, well, with that, why don't we go and see what was in the theaters in May of 1989. I've my favorite parts of the show. Uh, I think we'll, we'll stay with the same round. So, Delvin, you can start us off with the first one. On May 5th, Listen to Me, a drama came out. And it made $4,177,448. What's listen to me, y'all? Nothing. I got nothing. nothing. (laughs) Okay. Let's keep going. Also on that same day, Lost Angels came out as a drama as well. I got nothing. Yeah, it got the beat down by listen to me. Mm -hmm. But but, uh, I've got nothing on either one. We're trying to find heaven. Anybody know the direction to heaven? <laughs> That's Jason recreating Lost Angels. <laughs> Hopefully he will listen to me and stop. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh, goodness. Is it me? It's you. It's me. Okay. On May 12th, I've actually heard of this movie, but I've never seen it. Earth Girls Are Easy came out on May 12th. Heard of it, but never seen it. I, I think Jeff Goldblum is in he that is. movie. I've seen it, yes. Damn, Dolan with the movie trivia. <laughs> and the, the only reason that I remember it is it was at like the video store that was down the street from me all the time. And I, I was like, I bet that's like a cool movie and it has sex in it and stuff. But I never watched it. Mm. Stuff. stuff. <laughs> Uh-huh. The end uh-huh. stuff is important, man. It mm-hmm. really is. <laughs> All Jim right. Davis, Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans. Hmm. That's good Jeff Goldblum and Julie Brown. Wow. Downtown Julie Brown? Downtown Julie Brown. <laughs> Downtown Julie. Is it? Yeah, I've heard of That's one I've heard of. Never seen. Uh, yeah. yeah, she was on MTV. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and she is now, um, she's on Sirius XM now. She does like uh, mm-hmm. a DJ bit for um, the 80s. Um, 80s channel, yeah. Yeah, the 80s channel. 80s on 8. Yes, sir. So mine was a little yeah, known this was movie. a different Julie Brown. Oh. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to uh, I was sorry to foolishly move on with the show. <laughs> Save us, Jason. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about trying to carry off the show. That's yeah, okay. no, this was no, a you corrected us. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Aaron's making the show take too long. I don't know. Me and my knowledge. <laughs> what do you mean we're on our normal pace? <laughs> I know. That's the joke. <laughs> Jason, go ahead. Continue on, please. Mine was a little known movie called Fist Fighter. I don't even want to know. <laughs> and uh, I do not want to know. Actually, I, uh, I'm trying oh, to think. I, oh, I, think it, I think it was directed by um, Frank Zuniga, and it was about this boxer that comes back to some town in South America to take revenge on the death of his friend. You're making um, so you're actually you've seen I know it because I'm because I'm I'm reading it off of IMDb oh. right now. Have you seen <laughs> it? Nice. <laughs> no, I was trying to make myself sound smart, but it is about an ex-boxer come back to a town called Rosario in South America taking revenge for the death of a friend. It was directed by Frank, Frank Zuniga. Writers were Max Bloom, Carlos Vasallo, and his starred Jorge Rivero, Edward Albert, and Brenda Bach. No one knows who those people well, are. Yeah. Uh, yes. Was Brenda Bach in who? Dukes of Hazard? <laughs> No, that was Catherine. That's Catherine Bach. That was Catherine Bach. And Barbara Bach was in The Spy Who Loved Me. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) She sure was. All right. Well, we got that all boxed up. (laughs) Roger Moore was into Brenda Bach, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, again, moving on to a movie I've actually heard of. 
yes. insane <laughs> on May 12th was Return of the Swamp Thing. Did not do well financially. It paid $192,816. wasn't a great well, movie, but it's one I... I think they made it for 12 bucks, so they did all right. <laughs> <laughs> I did a Swamp Thing podcast with uh, Rob Kelly on Film and Water, and I told him I'd never seen any of the sequels, and he said, don't. That was <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> He said, don't yeah, see the it. best thing about it was Heather Locklear, but well, there you go. it wasn't well, a great see, movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, ni- it was 1989. That was, that was back in the day where like you had to watch crappy movies to see pretty women. <laughs> That's right. now, now, that was now, the formula. Now, yeah. Now there's interwebs and you, you don't have to do that. <laughs> The dark and the light. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Delvin's on to something there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying there, there, there's a lot of dudes now who are fist fighters because of that. <laughs> okay. Two-fisted action. Let's go on. Moving on, moving on. <laughs> moving on. One good thing about it's a kid's show. The one good thing about that movie is that it did introduce Abigail Arcane, which is from the comics. But, again, I, I enjoyed the original Swamp Thing. This one here. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> I'm actually glad to be covering this one. Also on May 12th, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, starring Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, right? Heck yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. A, that was a great movie. movie. Yeah, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Um, <laughs> yeah, those those two were uh, quite a pair, and um, they both are missed. Yes. Yep. I saw that movie in the theater. One was blind, one was deaf. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yep. Rest in peace. Two geniuses, man. On May 19th, Cold Feet came out. And probably didn't, didn't do like it did much of anything, so I got nothing on Cold Feet. Not yeah, a lot of people had Cold Feet on that one, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Apparently. Uh, also on that day, uh, For Queen and Country came out. Apparently it's an action film called For Queen and Country. I Nothing. Nope. I got mm. nothing on that one either. Sounds it's, I've heard of it, but I don't. I Maybe I'm thinking of the comic book too. But. Yeah, sounds kind of cool though. It's a cool name. This is interesting though because this mine is Fright Night Two, but when I look it up on IMDb, it says this one came out in 1988. Oh no, it says here it was made in '88, released in May of '89. Uh, it says Charlie Brewster and Peter Vincent must face more vampires, which are out for revenge. Directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. Uh, writers Tom Holland, not the Spider Man, the Spider Man, <laughs> <laughs> Tim Metcalf, starred William Ragsdale, Roddy McDowell, and I got Tracy Lynn. I got nothing. Well, I've, never cool. even, I've never even seen the original Fright Night. I've seen the remake, but never the original. I've seen the first one. Was the remake the one with uh, uh, what's his name? Had uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw yeah. that one. It was pretty good. I liked it. it was, yeah, I did too. I thought it was decent. How I Got Into College, which is a Steve Savage Steve Holland film, made six hundred fifty-one thousand eight hundred fifty dollars. I don't recall seeing this one. Nah, it yeah. had Laura Flynn Boyle, Anthony Edwards. Nothing. I got nothing on that. Yeah, it slid into my radar. I'm actually disappointed that I have to read this next one because the one after one is much much cooler. Yes. Oh, the, next, the next couple are cooler. Yes. All right, you know, I, I, short short end of the uh, of the stick there, but I. Uh, Miracle Mile, uh, a suspense thriller, uh, also came out on May 19th. Does anyone know anything about Miracle Mile? I got Don't nothing look. on Miracle Mile. I can look Hold it up on. real quick. For Miracle Monday. Don't, don't bother. Don't bother. Don't bother. 
<laughs> we got a long enough show already. For Miracle Monday, that's about it. <laughs> it, it. Yeah, especially compared to the next two. You know what? Let, let's just move on. <laughs> it says right. a young man hears a chance phone damn. call telling him that a nuclear war has started and missiles will hit his seven, his city in 70 minutes. Directed by Steve DeJarnett. Starred Anthony Edwards, Mayor Winningham, and John Agar. Wait, so nukes are going to hit in uh, 70 minutes? So it's 70 minutes of him going, son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure like nowadays that'd be somebody texting, uh, how, how you doing? You know? <laughs> Mushroom cloud emoji. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Yeah, I I would never sleep with you. Give me one reason, mushroom cloud emoji. Oh, okay. That's a that's game changer. Uh, let's move on to the next one that came out on May nineteenth. Is a little known movie called Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze. Hell yeah. And I'm assuming I'm assuming everybody saw that one, right? Well, right. apparently it was kind of a flop in the theaters. But like TBS, like complete. I mean, if you haven't watched that on TBS or TNT, like you apparently have like a nice fulfilled life where you sit around <laughs> watching TV. <laughs> Everybody has watched this thing on syndication at least once. You've had to. That's true. That the, is the double first, douche. <laughs> that <is> the first <laughs> movie I ever saw Sam Neill in. No, that was my introduction to Sam Neill. He's awesome. And Sam Elliott was in that movie, too. That's right? what I meant to say. <laughs> Sam Elliott. My so I was going to yeah. say, Sam Neill. It's, uh, Sam Neill. No, I was thinking of Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Something similar. <laughs> the dinosaur bar where they all get together and Sam Neill shows up and kicks their heads. <laughs> I think we just made a great movie. <laughs> Somebody write this down. <laughs> Jurassic Park Roadhouse. Let's make this happen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I think I I drew the longest of straws because on May twenty yeah. fourth, India. Ah. <laughs> on May, I'll let you do 4th. the honors. The only other movie in our entire lineup today that I saw in the theater, aside from See No Evil, Hear No Evil, was May twenty fourth, Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. And if you don't agree with me that it's the best Indiana Jones movie ever made, that's up to you. It's just your opinion. I'm not going to threaten you. It's a great. <laughs> Great. The Raider, Raiders. I prefer Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Oh, you're, uh, you have chosen the two. poorly. All right, I'll fight you on this. All right. <laughs> I, I've got Sean Connery in it. All right, I win. As Sean Connery does class it up, I will say that. It is the second best, I will say. Great movie. Good movie. Out of the three. I don't count the, the fourth one. I guess it's my turn. Mm-hmm. May 26th. Pink Cadillac, starring my man Clint Eastwood, comes out, I think, isn't it? Isn't that the Clint Eastwood yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I've seen seen that one, too. Uh, makes uh, $12,143,484. Has a small cameo in it from Jim Carrey. There's a, oh. there's a scene where he and, uh, what's her name, female lead, this is escaping me, are at a comedy show, and he's the one on stage in the background performing. <laughs> huh, I did not know that. I haven't seen that one in forever. Yeah, did not know that. Bernadette Peters played. Bernadette Peters. There you go. There you go. Guess that brings it down to me with it looks like the lowest grossing movie <laughs> ever. If not this month in history or in the world. Chocolate. I guess I'd pronounce it. It's a French film, looks like. I was going to say, uh, they were so broke, Dennis? they couldn't afford the E. Kelsey <laughs> <laughs> ran out of budget wise. That's a French weird. family that lives in colonial Cameroon? No clue. Yeah. 
I have heard of it, but I don't. Well, I don't know. Are you thinking of Chocolat that came out in like the early oh, 2000s? Yeah, that's, yeah. With like Johnny yeah, Depp? There's a 2000. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that one. As I was looking oh, at I thought that was the same out. one. Yeah. Uh, IMDb no, doesn't earlier. even have it. No, it must not I, I found the first one on uh, searching. It's on a uh, wiki. There's a wiki page for it. Wiki page for everything. Two thousand dollars. Woo! Big draw there. Mm, made two grand. Two thousand seven hundred. Ah, let's see. Well, let's get into the top three songs according to Billboard at this time. And for May of 1989, uh, number three song, Delvin. Number three is uh, Real Love by Jody Watley. How does that one go? I don't right know. I, I was just looking at the lyrics. And I'm like, I... Jordy Whiteley. Yeah. I'm looking for some real love. It, it, was, real love. it was not ringing a bell. I was in there staring at it like, I should know this. I, I should, like, I, I mean, like that song. The, the dark web is going to be ashamed of me for this. <laughs> I, 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 I blanked. I totally blanked. I'm Yet gonna... number, number one and number two, I knew right away. I, I'm so ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's. I guess if we could both be ashamed, because I'm taking from context clues that the dark web is going to be ashamed of you. Jody Watley then is not white, which I did not know. <laughs> no, black female. I have no idea what she looks like. Remember, we lived in Germany, so we didn't have MTV. <laughs> yeah. No, she was. Yeah, I missed MTV all. Of this. Yeah, she's pretty. You should Google I, her. I just Googled her, and oh yeah, yes. oh yeah. yeah, nice looking girl. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. She's looking for some real love. <laughs> I, I have some. I have some knockoff love. It it looks like real love, but it's a knockoff. <laughs> well, I think uh, speaking about some love, I think this next song is going to be a a lady's choice skate. <laughs> so find your partner for this next song, lady's choice. It's the number two song at this time was "I'll Be There for You" by Bon Jovi. All right. I guess this time you're really <laughs> I'll just say goodbye. Well, that's my broken heart You say true love, it's suicide. You say you've cried.
sweet. Will you breathe? Will you breathe? I'm gonna be there for you. I'll be there for you. I'll be there when I die for you. Steal the skies from the sky for you. Words can't say what love can do. Delvin, this is what happens when you podcast with white people. Don't blame that on white people. <laughs> Aaron says he's not taking a hit on this one. Don't bring me in on this. <laughs> All right. I guess that brings it to me for the number one song in the land of May of 1989. And that would be Madonna with one of my favorites ours, Like a Prayer. It's yeah. one of her better efforts, I think. It's a good song. I like this song. Good jam. First good jam. First, like, I prefer like a surgeon, but that's another strange time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Weird Al. Yep. <laughs> back to Weird Al. <laughs> it all comes back to Weird Al. All comes back. Well, with that, that's going to bring us to the, the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or question, send us an email at contact.longboxcrusade.com. You can also follow and leave a comment on Twitter at Longbox Crusade. With that, I think that's going to bring us to the end of the show. But before we go, let's find out where listeners can find us on the Internet. Let's start with Jason. Oh, hi. Yeah. And don't let uh, don't let these guys fool you. I do check my my Twitter more often than not. You can find me there at Jason underscore Albrick. Albrick is spelled uh, just like it sounds. Al B. Rich. A-L-B-E-R-I-C-H. You can also find me, uh, Jason Albrick, on Facebook. Uh, I'm also Jason Albrick on Instagram. Jared, how about you? Here we go. All right. You can follow me on the, the Twitters at Yard Sale Artist. You can follow me on the Facebook also at Yard Sale Artist. Uh, I've got a podcast called Comics with Normies over on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. And you can just subscribe to the White Rocket Entertainment Network via iTunes or you can go to Podbean, 
uh, com and do the White Rocket Entertainment Network from there. You'll get my show, Comics with Normies, and you'll get uh, shows that I co-host with uh, Van Plexico. We do a Quantum Leap uh, rewatch podcast, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast, and our fan favorite on Her Majesty's Secret podcast, James Bond podcast. And then as One far of as my favorites. That's really good. Oh, I thank you. We enjoy that one. As far as my art career goes, if you want to track me down at any Comic-Cons and check out what I got going on there uh, with my art sales and my wares, if you just go to my, my Twitter, my pinned tweet tells you where my upcoming shows are going to be. So come see me and buy stuff and listen to my podcasts and whatever All else. that. All that. And stuff. Uh, how about you, Devin? So, well, I, I don't even want to go after Jared. You know, <laughs> Jared, Jared has all that cool stuff and is like, I'm, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'll get up, I'll, I know I'll how get you over, feel. I'll get over my inferiority complex. and <laughs> Just um, make things up. Just start lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I was just about to do something too. It's like, uh, yeah, I, I have many leather-bound books, um, <laughs> and, and and I can I can tell you about them on Twitter uh, at uh, d e e underscore r a y nineteen seventy seven, and you can find me on uh, Instagram as well, Delvin Ray d e l v i n r a y. Uh, if you want to see random pictures of my face and stuff like that with a beard. That's great. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I'm always up for a good conversation on Twitter, though. So uh, hit me up. I love to chat with you. All right. Great. Jared just missed a good D's Nuts joke. Ah, I did. <laughs> and let's get to Aaron. Aaron, thanks a lot for being on the show. Appreciate you uh, putting up with us. And <laughs> He survived. Well, no, thanks for having me. <laughs> I enjoyed enjoying listening to the show, and it was a pleasure being on here. Unlike everyone else, I do have a Twitter which is at Headcast Network, but I don't do very much on my Twitter. I usually post when I have a new episode out, but yeah, I don't do much on my Twitter. Best place to find me is, well, again, I do a couple of podcasts, as was hinted up earlier. Uh, they're all collected under the Headcast Network. I've got four different shows on there. I've got my Head Speaks, where I talk about comics, movies, anything geeky that strikes me. I have my Task Force X, which we plugged a couple of times, where I talk about, as I said, John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and... Uh, some little book by a guy called Paul Kupperberg. I mean, I'll look into him there, Jared. Uh, he writes yeah. a book called Checkmates. <laughs> I review those issues. He doesn't think I'm funny at all. <laughs> <I> also... <laughs> He's not the only one. Oh, uh, oh. I've also got my G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, uh, where I look at Larry Hammond's Marvel comic, G.I. Joe, a real American hero, and also the cartoon series from around the same time. And I've had a couple of these Yahoo's on there with me here and there. And uh, my final show I have over there is <laughs> I love having you guys too. Uh, the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, where I look at the Starman starring Will Payton and the Manhunter starring uh, Mark Shaw Comics from the late eighties, early nineties. Look for us. And again, you can find me on Facebook under all of my different podcasts. Uh, look them up; they're all on Facebook. And you can email me at head at headspeaks.com if you want to complain about anything I've said today. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you, Aaron, for being on. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed having you on. It's uh, You're welcome back anytime oh, you want to talk to us idiots. <laughs> I don't know if he's going <laughs> to well, take us yeah. up on that. Uh, um, and for me, if you want to follow me on the Twitter, it's at Longbox Crusade. You can also follow at Longbox Crusade on the Facebook. Or if you find me interesting, you can find me on Facebook. <laughs> <under Pat. laughs> 
Just look me up under Pat Sampson. That's the name I go by out there. Uh, also, we have the Longbox Crusade. This podcast, uh, we have the spinoff uh, podcast that is called Crusader Chronicles, uh, where me, Jared, and Jason, and, and Delvin's join us as well. Uh, we are going through the, actually my comics in a uh, indexing order. So. Uh, it's a great show. Uh, shorter episode than this to make it more bite-sized and enjoyable. So give that a listen uh, and join us there as well, too. Did uh, anyone else that? do quote marks when he said shorter? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a record for a long box crusade. I think this is our first under four-hour recording. <laughs> So I, look, I mean, we're we're not here. To, we are Jared. not here to take sides about this, though. It's Jared's fault. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I always blame Jared. With that, for those of you that do listen to us, thank you, and yes. we hope you enjoyed this episode of Thanks. the Longbox Crusade. Thanks for making it this far. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> if you made it this far, send us an email at contact the long box crusade saying, I made it this far and we'll send you a free steak. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like a piece of wood, not like because of, I, I, I need to make. <laughs> well, with that, yes, definitely leave us a comment or question. Is it too long? Is it too short? What's going on? I don't know. Email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Facebook or Twitter page. So until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to find out what's, what's in, in your, your long box. box. I thought we were going to read them all. I don't know. No, that's what I was showing. Oh, we can do a read them all. Okay, well, let's do a read them all then. Read them all in your long box. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's continue on our crusade to read What's them in all. your long box? Oh, <laughs> oh I thought we were... <laughs> Sorry. I can't resist. This never works out. And that's it, folks. We're out. Thank you. I love this team. I'm a waiter. He's a waiter. It's getting All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Sometimes it takes us a while to get through this, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, that's what I gather. Yeah. <laughs> I've, done, I've done two shows with Aaron, and, and uh, yeah, he's not ready for this level of incompetence yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him there. We'll get him there. What was your favorite G.I. Joe toy, Jared? Just out of curiosity, because you had them all because mom and dad loved you. Mm-hmm, it's true. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I just went through editing episode that the issue number two and you're complaining about the same thing <laughs> oh it's that's it's gonna be a theme it's gonna be a theme enough material to do an all jason complaints episode <laughs> imagine imagine you're a child on christmas day here we go <laughs> you open up your present 
you got the ram. Your brother opens up his present. He got the Sky Striker. Are you going to be pissed? I ask you. Jared and I did oil ourselves up and go play volleyball after Top Gun. didn't. Who didn't? My eyes are burning right now. <laughs> this this was before everything was recorded, and, and it's for everyone's benefit. <laughs> Yes. I think that might have been the other one I had because the other triple changer I had was the tank and a plane, so that must be it. Yeah, I wouldn't know because my parents got me GoBots. So. <laughs> it's I had weird because we had the same parents. <laughs> again, we said we got the GoBots. Again, Jason with the crying story. Uh, yeah. I got GoBots and he got the transformer. He got Ramjet. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> Jason got some knockoff toy called G.I. Bo V-E-A-U-X. He got French G.I. Joe. G.I. Bo. A really ambivalent hero. That's like a double. It's pronounced G.E. Bo. It's like not only were they not American, like they're French. Yeah. I know. This one just comes with a white flag, too. I don't get it. <laughs> Let's do it live. And do it live. We're doing it live. That's that's the first. There we go. First time today. It's always, hard to see it's, it's always about Jared. It really is. It really is. The black thorn spires of Mars. Yada yada yada. Yeah. I wrote a book. I colored. A I did not. I didn't write a book. Lada. I hate you guys. Good show, guys. Thanks. Aaron Thanks for having me on. Good job. Good job, everybody. That's a wrap. We did Thanks it live. Coming, we did it live, folks. We did it live. <laughs> She's been going on things. She's saying the right words. and She's saying completely wrong words. I'm like, what? Oh, no. wait till we get to the creators page on this show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. Hey, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were, I thought you were gone. Fine. <laughs> this show is <this> <laughs> really coming together. <laughs> You can do what you want. You can do what you want, though. In this, we won't judge you. It's your first time. I can always. You can it. edit the crap. <laughs> so Transformers, Transformers was good, and I like it. <laughs> Thanks, Delvin. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be great. I, I can imagine my reply back on that. But I say that is that's the bullshit. That's not what I said. <laughs> Oh, yes, it is. We had to move along. Time, time, So glad you guys out. could exclude me from that. That's really great. Uh, hey, you know what? You want to start naming things every time I try it. I can't get on a Quantum Leap episode. I can't get on the Babylon 5 episode. Uh-oh. Oh, man. And it all falls apart at the buzzer. And then you listen to... You listen to comic with normies? No mention of, oh, you can also find me on the Longbox Crusade. Oh, Bam! This is getting it's rough right now. It got chilly up in here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did I really not mention you on the long, Longbox Crusade on comics with normies? I got to fix that. No, man. I listen to it. <laughs> man. I listen to all your stuff. Oh, that's right. It's because I don't like you. That's what oh. that, what's that red button doing? <laughs> no. Twitter mute. <laughs> Damn. Yay! Aaron loves me. Oh, I said. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Suck it, Pat. <back. laughs>
That wouldn't go quite that far, Jared. Oh, all right. All right. You guys have a good weekend. We'll talk to you on the chat. Then. Yeah. And before, but just one last thing before we go, Pat. Damn you, it, Jason. 